What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar back in the studio. But can you hear my crisp voice? We're back in the studio. I'm super, super excited, guys. As always, brought to you by Bloke Beer. We are in every single celebrations, Bottolo, uh, Porter's Liquor, IGA Plus Liquor. It's been a while. It's been a while. IGA Plus Liquor in New South Wales and ACT. So you've got a celebrations or a Bottolo near you. Head in there in New South Wales ACT. They will stock bloke. And I'm sure there's plenty of specials going on. It's a perfect beer for summer, guys, because it's a session lager. It is made, have three or four, smooth, crisp, easy drinking. It's it's just a beautiful, beautiful beer. We've also got a store locator on our website, blokeinabar.com. You put in a postcode. We're in hundreds of stores across Queensland, New South Wales, ACT Victoria. The people are loving the mid-strength up in Queensland. So if you want a mid-strength in Queensland, we've got plenty of stores there too. Also... Bloke boardies and singlets out now, plus bloke party shirts. If you want to know what the bloke party shirts look like, all the singlets, go to Instagram or our YouTube. You'll be able to see us all kitted up, looking absolutely incredible. Uh, we all bumped our numbers up from about 3 out of 10 to 5 out of 10. So if you want an extra two numbers, grab some bloke merch. We've also got bloke bundles that are discounted, perfect for Chrissy. So if you go to the missus, you say, oh, I want something for Chrissy, What's, what? and she doesn't know what to get to you, Get a bloke bundle because you can get like singlets, shorts and thongs or whatever for a discounted price. That is at bloke.shop. But as usual, let's get straight into it, baby. Just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar. It is part one of Squad Reviews brought to you by Bloke Merch. That is right. We have bloke party shirts. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see them. If not, go to Instagram or Facebook. You'll be able to... Have a look at them, see what they're like. We've got brown, we've got white, we've got yellow. They're made of really soft, nice material. People are absolutely loving them. Head to bloke.shop. We've got plenty of stuff. We've got bloke boardies as well. First time we've ever released board shorts. We've got yellow ones, we've got brown ones. We've got bloke hats, we've got bloke everything. Bloke thongs even. Uh, we've got uh, basically bundles as well. So if you want a, a Chrissy present, perfect to get a bundle. Ask your missus, can you grab us a bloke bundle for Chrissy? Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Uh, and yeah, perfect for summer. Over the next few months, obviously it's gonna get warmer. The kit is absolutely perfect. So if you enjoy Bloke in a Bar and you love Bloke as a brand, make sure to grab some Bloke merch from bloke.shop. But I've got the great Gurino and Timmy here. Gurino, how you going, mate? I'm going well, mate, going well. Got to watch my first game of footy on the weekend. Very yep. early days trial. Mate, early days, not for you. Not this for is, me. This is almost late. Plenty could be anything's out there. Don't worry about that. <laughs> How many times did you think it on the weekend? <laughs> I was too scared to say it. I was going to get mobbed. <laughs> Timmy, what about yourself, mate? Very well, mate. Yeah, Chrissy fever in the air. Bit of footy fever starting to trickle back in, NRL-wise anyway. And I can just picture Guru in like early December up on the hill at Leichhardt over watching a, a Harold Matz trial game with his notepad out studying it. He's got people on the phone. He's got managers wanting to know what he's seen. Yeah, he doesn't miss much. You know what would be funny in like 20 years if like they're like, there's the guru. <laughs> and you're like a mystical creature that comes and watches rugby league. Definitely a creature. <laughs> there's like rumours that circle across like playing groups that the guru might be turning up to yeah. watch the trial. And yeah. Like, this is your one chance to make it. Because yep. if you don't perform in front of the guru, you're done. You're done, kids. If he, if he puts a red line through your name, it's game over for the career. <laughs> 
Or, yeah, and also you get you might get a shout on the potty. So it goes either red line or if you get a positive shout on the potty, I mean, there's big contracts waiting. If, if Guru says your name in 20 years on the potty, guaranteed million-dollar contract. Yeah, we're That's not here to fuck spiders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now we've got the absolute Judas dog, Matt. <laughs> we go for potty beers last Friday. The boys, we all go out, have some beers. We Maddie comes along for, honestly, I reckon it might have been at three minutes. And then he nicks off to the Kendrick Lamar concert. So, look, you let us know. Is Matty a dog for dog and potty beers, you know, celebrating such a great year? Or is he is he justified in going to a Kendrick Lamar concert? How was it, mate? Yeah, it was great. Um, obviously, like, it turns out, because we had a last-minute schedule change, I wasn't even going to come to the potty beers, which would have been way worse. But I'm glad I got to come along to the pub for a bit. Um, but, yeah, Kendrick was just phenomenal it was crazy it was so good that i went home and watched his paris concert on amazon prime on sunday yeah it was just so well choreographed it was yeah it's quite amazing sounds like a good time mate sounds like a good time now let's get into the best time and even better time talking rugby league we're going to review eight teams today uh review their squad or preview their squad for 2023 go through it strengths weaknesses recruitment everything Basically, breaking down how we think their squad is looking for 2023. As always, guys, it's 2023. So much can change. Signings can happen. Players can come into form, come out of form. But it is a good gauge to really see. You know, I think we often look on the weekend and we go, oh, this team played well, this team played poorly. Squad development is like arguably the most underrated part of NRL. I think 10 years ago, it used to be down to player 20 was important. Mm. Nowadays, like, only I have to look at the Roosters a couple of years ago who had, you know, one of the worst injury runs we've ever seen. And, you know, it was important down to play a 30 yeah. for them. Still managed to make the, the top eight that season. So you need to have incredible depth in this competition if you're going to be successful. And I think, like, for example, you look at AFL, and because they have the draft and the trade windows, there's a real focus on, like, building a squad and getting the salary cap right and making sure to get certain things. Whereas because NRL is, like, just so willy-nilly, we don't really appreciate how tough it is to build a squad within the salary cap with everything going on and how many huge factors like for example the dolphins completely changed the the whole market what there's six marquee players that use them to get bigger contracts yep craziness timmy do you reckon it gets enough appreciation squad development yeah definitely not and this is where the when we do the previews reviews of these squads and and how they're shaping up coming into the 2023 season where their real inner footy nerd probably comes out in myself where you look at these intricate sort of um details of every squad of you know all right they've got gun halves but there's no one backing them up so if a half goes down this team's stuffed Mm. uh this team has an absolute like stellar backline that'll score a lot of points, but like they're a bit light on in the pack. So where's the platform going to come from? Um, you look at the teams that go, they're lacking depth, but their 17s very good. So they are relying on going injury free predominantly th- through the majority of the season to challenge for a title. There's other squads that you go, they can have 10 blokes go down and they're still in the hunt for a premiership. Yep. So and so we'll get through that this week and next week. And it's always a, a very intriguing time of the year. Well, just a couple off the top of my head that we spoke about last year. Uh, and I mean, I'm sure there's plenty we got wrong, but like, for example, we discussed the Storm forward pack. Mm-hmm. We were like, ooh, it's probably the lighter, most light forward pack we've seen in a while. What happened and we also said their depth as well probably was a bit questionable going into last season and what happened their depth was tested even in the outside backs and also a little bit like the forward back another one brizzy broncos we identified like number nine like they've got turpin and that was it in the whole squad that was a genuine number nine and he was already on the the edges 
And it sh- so it shows you sometimes you can genuinely look at a squad and go, they don't have enough halves or yeah. outside backs or whatever. And sometimes other squads, like we take the Cowboys last year, for example, like I'd love to go back and listen to what we said. Yeah, for then, sure. Just questioning everything about the Cowboys system, whereas I think we're, lo- we're ha- having a look at them uh, next week, but completely different conversation. A hundred percent. That's one we, I mean, there's no way we would have got that right. Like yeah. not even close to how far, how quickly they've developed. Like, because the, Peyton has been there essentially two years. First year, not a disaster, but not great. And then second year, it's like powerhouse. So it's really interesting. And I guess that's where you can see evidence of a coach. Now, we'll see in the long run because sometimes, and I'm not saying this is the case with Peyton, but sometimes you can have this magic year because your preseason was so hectic. It's about like, can you sustain that over long periods of time? Like even Bellyache is like, pulled the brakes a bit on how hard he used to train. You know, Michael Maguire, notoriously really hard trainer, got the rabbitos up for those first few years and then they just fell off a cliff. Um, Anyway, so let's get into the first team to, to review or preview. Let's get into the Tigers. Really, like, the, the, I would re, like I would sum up their squad right now as, on paper, very exciting. But it's not just about being on paper. It's about standards. It's about culture. It's about bringing it all together and making it click. Some strengths. Obviously, the number nine is is a massive strength. Their edge back rowers go from okay to okay. Wow. Um, I'll get your thoughts first, Guru, on this squad. Uh, there's one glaring problem that I have with it, but I'll get your thoughts on it. Yeah, look, I like look at this Tiger side. I think they've recruited incredibly well. Uh, to think that you know they've potentially got the best forward of the last two years. They've signed him up. Um, you know, we've said a number of times on this show. If Appy does a sign with the Panthers a couple of years ago. I don't think Penrith are going for their third comp in a row. Uh, I don't that, that they'd be anywhere near it. So they've done incredibly well for the position they are in to recruit the way they have is sensational. Uh, but yeah, mate, I I love the pack. Bit of a question mark over the halves. It's a very young outside back group too. I think they are you know one or two injuries away in their outside back from looking very very young and inexperienced, which uh, can be very costly in this competition. But there is no doubt whatsoever. I think they're in a better spot than they have been probably <clears throat> since Benji was at his peak, I think. Yeah, it's like you, it's almost you're having two conversations. It's like relative to where they were, mm. relative to winning a comp. And like so relative to winning a comp, when you look at the outside backs, you go, ooh, I just don't think that – I don't know if they've got the class there. Relative to where they were, though, you're going, this is incredible they managed to even recruit the people that they recruited. Which is just an indication of how strong this competition is. Mm. Yep, absolutely. Timmy, what do you reckon? Yeah, really good-looking side. I'm so excited for the Tigers this season after a few tough years. Uh, as you said, the forward pack are very impressive, um, with obviously Appy Corusau being the highlight of that. Probably my, my only one concern with the forward pack is, uh, this is nitpicking a little bit, but maybe mobility. Could they be too big? I'm looking at uh, Uta Kamanu, Dave Clemmer, IPAP, Sean Lord, Joe Offing-Gowie, then off the bench, sort of Fanua Pole, Alex Twile, a lot of big boys in there. So possibly mobility around there. If they can land John Bateman, I reckon that would raise a lot of concern about that mm. because he's one of the most mobile forwards in the game. Um, but again, I am nitpicking, so I think it's a great platform to work off. And then... Similar thoughts in the back line where, yep, plenty of potential there, especially the back five. 
The back three is another area of concern I see. Just small, Dane Laurie, Charlie Staines. Uh, a bit of chat that maybe Ken Mamalo shifts to centre to accommodate the arrival of Staines. So um, just whether they have, uh, obviously, David Offaloom is back this season after his stint with Melbourne. Is the back three going to be a little bit small to set that platform? few question marks, but all in all, a much improved side to last season. I think also with the forward pack, the thing that stands out for me is, you know, Joe, it probably looks like he'll be at 13. I think he's probably the best choice there. But you think back to last year, whenever, you know, Adam Dwayne and Luke Brooks were playing their best, it was when Hastings was in 13, you had a ball player there, just getting them a little bit wider. So that's mm. the other thing I worry about that, as you said, <coughs> in the forward pack, they're all big bodies. I wonder if they're just a little bit too one-dimensional, whether they're, they're, they're going to miss not having, you know, a ball playing 13 there. Yeah, Joel Van Gaal had one of the better seasons, arguably, of his career last year. But is he a ball-playing 13? I'm not sure what's happening at training. But again, like if I'm the coach and I saw that off Van Gaal, the problem with the Tigers is he's really the only option for 13. And no one's even really close to being an option. That we know of. There may yeah. be a younger guy here that could fit there. But at the moment, I can't see anyone. The, the only one for me that I think could play that role, he made his debut last year, is uh, Justin Matamua. He looked very strong. He's got very nice hands, but I don't know if he's ready for a full-time role mm. at 13. I think eventually he could be that guy, but I don't think he's quite it this year. As I said, I would go with Joe O at 13, but when you compare him to other 13s around this competition, and I, I think especially that's shown that the halves that they've got probably need someone to get them a little bit wider. <clears throat> uh, well, it's not like the Melbourne Storm where Hughes and Munster, can, they, they can afford to have just a bloke that just carts it up and gets his job done. And, you know, every team has their weak spots, but their halves, they've essentially got two halves, that's it. Hastings is gone. Um, that was going to be my glaring concern. Like, I cannot even believe... I mean, as I said, relatively speaking to last year, huge excitement. But if you're looking at, like, what would be the perfect balance of a squad heading into a season with two halves in your top... I think this is 30... Maybe it's 25, but it looks like you're top 30. That's that's wild to me. Well, obviously Hastings left, but Jock Madden left it as well. Yeah. He's not, he's not a superstar, but he can come in you and keep do a job him, for you. You keep him for this specific reason. And it's not like he left to the Broncos to, for a starting spot. Yep. You know, he's going to be in the same spot at the Broncos as he was at the Tigers. I, I said to um, someone that is involved with the Tigers the other day, who would be your next man to step up in the halves? The answer I was told was Dane Laurie. Wow. No, so, no. Uh. So hopefully there's a young guy they can elevate from their squad. Oh, sorry. That that since then they've they, they've obviously got Will Smith too, but I I don't think he's, he's not an out and out half. Either. He's a fourteen. Like I think I think in a perfect scenario, at the very least, you've got a eighteen to nineteen to. For example, you look at the Melbourne Storm. Um, they've got Pezzet. Is it Pezzet? That's yep. how you say his last name. Yeah. And so like. You don't want Pezzett playing a whole season. You don't because he's still so raw. But at least you can see that's the next guy, you know, if someone gets injured, that's a, that can be brought in. And if he, if he struggles the first few games, it's okay because he's young. Whereas, as I said, you look at this and you go like, Will Smith from the Titans was struggling to get a spot there. Um, great utility. But the chances of one of your halves going down in the season for at least four to six weeks is substantial. Yep. And the concern with the Tigers is just like they're going to need every week they can get, like every win they can get, sorry. Um, so that's a real concern for me. And the problem as well is, is like 
there's a, the negative, and we'll get to the positive, guys. Don't worry, Tigers fans. We'll get to the positives. The negative is if one goes down and then the season turns into a disaster, it's almost like, oh, my God, recruitment's going to become tough again. Keeping these guys we've just recruited, it's going to be tough again. Um, so really surprised that, for example, they've got <coughs> Jake Simpkin. Who was the – I was little that went to the Dragons, hey? Yeah. Like they've got three hookers and only two halves. And you'd argue that, like, you'd probably be better off having four halves and two hookers or, or whatever. Especially, like, I mean, even when the Tigers are occasionally going, well, Luke, Luke Brooks is under pressure then. Like, now, when there's no other options, I just... Oh, the letting go of Madden, to me, was just, like, blows my mind. Blows my mind. It has to be something in the works. Maybe, like, yeah. They can't just be relying on Will Smith, surely. Yeah. Because... They've got no one there. Like I'd be very surprised if between now and the start of the season. I don't know how many spots they've got left in their roster, but there's got to be a half coming in. Surely, like like a even even if you went into New South Wales Q Cup and you just got a, a veteran that's like mm. 26, 27, he you know he wants an opportunity. He's finished in the top four or six. Even that level of of seven or six is really good to have. Just to bring him in, he can kick the ball into the corners and just get the team around the park yeah. if he has to. What's your brother up to? Yeah, we'll have to start making a few calls, right? Yeah, if, Sammy. Uh, if only there was a tried and tested halfback ready to go. So, <laughs> uh, down playing south somewhere next season, but yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, like surely there's a, a seven or six out there that would love to just get an NRL squad and get a train and trial, pay him 1200 a week or whatever it is. Um, yeah, so that, that's, that is a very big concern. You know, going even more negative... Like, what if Brooks fails to fire? You know, and then you've just got, you've got this incredible forward pack with no direction. Like, when I, when I honestly have a look at that squad now, like, you've got Jake Simpkin. If one of the halves went down, as crazy as it sounds, I think you start to look around and go, do we play Appy at yeah. Saturday? Yeah, probably do. Might genuinely be the best option, is, unless they bring someone else in. But just craziness, like, yeah. that, that, that's happened. And it's but, just not good for the squad, like, having... Essentially, no pressure on Dewey and Brooks yeah. because it's like, well, they're going. We can't really get dropped because who comes in? Will Smith? It just won't happen. Yeah. You'd have to be playing. No knock on Will Smith, as you said. I, I think he's an extremely useful bloke to have as a in the squad because he covers so many positions. But yep. there's just not a lot of. There's no pressure on him essentially. Yeah. So I wonder whether there's a you know younger fellas in the extended squad mm. that we just don't know about yet. Um, but t- t- going with two halves into a season in your squad is it's almost a bit bizarre. And I like just have a look at their halves that played Cup last year. Like I, I don't know too many of them, but for example, Tyrone Peachy, he played 10-odd games at 5'8 for them in reserve grade last year. So yep. it's worrying. So I'm just looking, like just flipping the page, every single squad I'm looking at right now has minimum three halves, and a lot of them have all, all played NRL. You know, so glaring, glaring concern. Um but the positives, though, the positives is the forward pack. Is this the best forward pack they've had in since 2011, 12? Probably. I think so. Yeah, probably since, like, the Gareth Ellis sort of days, on paper anyway. Um, it's actually hard. Like, with the forward pack, it's hard to work out who's going to be your starting front rowers, who's going to be on the bench, especially if, yeah, if one of, like, um, Fanua Bowl, Bloor... Um, Stefano, if one of these guys kicks on to be a real star, which I think under David Clemmer they genuinely could, they they could become a real powerhouse in the mm. pack. I mean, just one of them, yeah, you're right. Like 
Stefano, we've already seen him kind of kick on. So if you mm. could just find that again. And then if Bloor becomes the player that he kind of was coming through the ranks before he got injured, all of a sudden, and, and let's say Joe in the offseason, just all he does is his ball work. And he, because he, in Joe Offengau's defense, he was shifted into that 13 yep. mid-ish year or maybe like a quarter into the year. Very hard to expect him to go from a bench front rower-ish to a ball playing 13. So maybe a whole preseason there changes it for him. Um, Hope so. So anyway, looking at this forward pack, who do, so we see Clemmer starting, Stefano starting up front? Probably. Yeah. Or would you start 12? Probably Stefano. I think I want him with Clemmer as much as I can. Then is, I, that, I, is that too big? It's a fucking huge forward front yeah, row. Yeah, might be. Might be. Uh, I'll tell you who, I was really impressed with that. Uh, Fanua Bowler at the end of last yeah. year. I thought he was really impressed. One of their better players last year. But he, he might be better as a bench sort of impact guy. Um, once again, if Twal's back to uh, full fitness, I'm, I'm more than happy to start him as well. So it mm. might be a bit of a like rotate, rotation. Rotate Clemmer and Stefano and keep Twal on there for the longer minutes maybe. I think so. Because yeah. he fucking gets he's so good yeah. defensively, gets through so much work. Whereas like the only concern I have with starting with Stefano and Clemmer is you might lose a bit of like impact throughout the game when they both go off. If they, I mean, I'd assume they'd both go off, surely. At some stage, um, but if you want to open the game and get good starts, like remember a few years ago they they lost the grand final. But remember Penrith, I think it was like three years ago now, where they would come out and just blitz teams in the first twenty, like just fucking absolutely to tear them to pieces. It's it's if you're looking to rather than like win a grand final, but to like make eight the top eight, it's not a bad tactic to go with just to get on the front foot in games? I personally think this team has to get on the front foot to win games. Yeah. I don't think they can lose the first 20, 25 minutes and get themselves back into contests. Do you think with... Let's say we were going to start Stefano and Clemmer. Do you think you're losing a bit of Alex Twole's motor on the field by bringing him on only for like, you know, 30, 40 minutes instead of 60, 70? And that's the awkward thing. I think those three guys, are all of them are like... Um Mainstayers, I don't think any. I don't think any of those three I look at and go, oh, "That's a really good impact guy to bring on." Uh, so yeah, it's it's. T- I mean, it's it's not a bad problem to have, of course. Mm. I could see Stefano coming becoming impact, mm. just coming on and just fucking absolutely from the back fences. I guess Nelson that, uh, and Solomon are off the bench yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Timmy, what do you reckon? Yeah, and the other thing I suppose when we do look at sort of how many HIAs there are in games and injuries these yeah. days. They've got big men at forward. So IPAP and Bloor can obviously go 80 on the edges. And then between Joe O, Clem in particular, Alex Twole, they can all play big minutes if needed. So I don't think they'll be sort of caught too short. It also gives them the option to to run that utility on the bench and play sort of a forward short if they want to, whether they run with Will Smith or Jake Simpkin, I'm not sure. But uh, big motors in their forwards. And then I said again, if Johnny Bate... It's one. It's a very good forward pack if they can add John Bateman to it, which seems that's pretty damn strong speculation. <coughs> it becomes one of the elite packs in the competition. Do you consider playing him at thirteen, Bateman? Yeah. Nah, I think I just think he's so good on that edge there, and yeah. he, he's too like unorthodox. Unorthodox, and yeah, he'll jump all over the shop, and which is great on the edge because it's Skittles defenses. But in that, honestly, thirteen has come so far, and I know there's different ways to play footy. 13's come so far, they're, they're a part of the spine now. Yep. Like, they're genuinely... Like, try watch a Penrith game and tell me Isaiah Yo isn't part of the spine. Or even in Cam Murray. Like, obviously, they still take their hit-ups and they get through all the hard work. And so, yeah, I'd keep him on an edge. Um, 
and I would basically, you know, Bloor would obviously have to mo- most likely go to the bench. Yeah. Um, which is fine, you know, he's back from injury, he's young. Matty, you've probably seen more of Sean Bloor than us. Could you play him at 13 potentially, or is he... Is I don't he... think he's a 13. No? Nah. From what I've seen, no. Nah. Yeah, no, nah, I agree. I've, okay. Yeah. It's been, it's been a while since I've, since I've seen him, but, yeah, it's, it's probably... He, it would be a sideways move. I mean, he could play, like, maybe an old school, older style of 13. Mm. Um, he's just a super aggressive, good ball runner, like, super aggressive, good ball runner, good defender. Um... So, like, you know, obviously they'll identify the Tigers, but you'd have to say going into this season, it's their forward pack that really stands out for. Yeah, for sure. It is. Oh, I just, I know I keep bringing it up. I just reckon that 13 jersey is going to be very interesting because they did go into the season planning for Hastings to be there. So they, they, they were building a team around having a genuine ball player there. And do, you now reckon, do you reckon they were planning it, though, or they always plan to move Hastings on? I don't know. Uh, I think you could get two sides of that story. Yeah. You can choose which one you want to believe. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, you might be right. Yeah. I, I wonder. Because, like, in what world is he the long-term 13 at the club? Yeah. And I wonder, I'm thinking out loud, but, you know, Tim Sheen's obviously a very old-school coach. Mm. Um, he's been around for years and years and years. Like, it's a very new form of thinking, this ball-playing lock, and we all love it. We think it's the way to go, and certainly – at least the, the immediate future of rugby league and a good footy side. But maybe Sheen's just come in and just going, no, nah, he's happy to have that big ball play, not ball playing, the big ball running um, lock, the more size in the middle, not mm-hmm. worrying about the ball play. Maybe he's not worried. Maybe he doesn't want it. Yeah, and, and like when you look at the size of the forward pack and they're all super aggressive and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. maybe it is just a bash and barge game. Like when you look back to Sheen's when they won that comp, it's ironic because they were a smaller forward pack, but it was all about quick play the balls, getting on the front foot, not being able to hold them down, Benji Marshall and Prince off the back of it. And I mean, like as much as you know, we talk about that old Tigers team that Tim Sheens had, and it was all about you know Prince and Benji. They also had um, Robbie Farrell at nine. It was very crafty. Mm. And maybe you're right. Maybe they are just playing to their strengths of sort of handing the keys to Appy. Yeah, just playing that barge through the and middle. Just, just, but I mean, look, you look at the Roosters. You'd have to say like with the players that they've recruited and what they're doing, it, it seems as though they're going around the ruck and just. You know, I think the Storm had a lot of success with it where they were just a lot around, like just so fast around the ruck. And then when they got the opportunity to spin it, they'd spin it. Um, you know, and Adam Dwahi and uh, Luke Brooks, like they probably lean more towards running sixes and sevens than these, in, you know, I would say who's just an out-and-out ball-playing seven that like doesn't, you know, barely runs. Um, probably like a Chad Townsend, Adam Reynolds. Like they're like pure, pure... Barely run, just get the ball around the park. Whereas Brooks and Dwahi, like, they'd probably be up there with, at their on their day up there with the better ball running sixes and sevens. Yep. Um, so maybe that's what he's trying to do, and and, and it kind of makes sense the logic because of the the six again rule of this like, just keep ball in play, just keep ball in play, and just try and overwhelm them. Um, really interesting to see what they're going to do. Like, you know, you still got guys like Alex Safarth, who I think had some good moments last year. Um, I agree. For no, uh, for, uh, is it Fenua or Fonu? Fenua? Anyway, Fenua Bole. Um, I thought he had some really good moments. Um, Sione Fenu, that's going to be an interesting one because, that, the, you know, the Fenu name, we know how talented that family is. Mm. It'll be interesting to see uh, how he goes. But I think, like, you've got your wall, like your... Stalwarts like your Twalls, your Clemmers, um, your Joe O's, your Isaiah Papali'i. 
But I, th- I think they really need Stefano to have a massive year this year. Yeah. They can't afford to go another year without a young gun forward coming. Because like then it's like, what, who's the next young gun forward that they have that like could genuinely play Origin? Right now, it's it's really, you know, maybe Sean Bloor down the line, but we haven't really seen much from him. Stefano's really the only one where you'd go, oh, that's their version of Payne Haas, or that's their version of, of whatever. I really think he needs to have a big year. I think there's a game plan there with this squad that can work, but I just think they're going to need a lot to go their way. Oh, yeah. I mean, Brooks and Dewey, do he need to stay on the field? Well, yeah, if the 7, 6 and 9 get injured, suspended, whatever <laughs> it might be, I'm very, very worried about them. And, mate, for all we know, like, like Appy... If he plays Origin this year, there's going to be three months where he's going to be out of the side. That period's going to really worry me. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, I think some positives. I think in the hooking role, they've, they've got – it's like they've done fantastically in regards yeah. to depth. Appy, obviously. Simpkins can come and do a job. He's still relatively young. I think he's still about 22, 23. Um, the uh, – I'm not even going to try to say that. Ru Nagatura? Tikura? Who did he play for? Fiji? I think so. Um, you know, so like great depth in the, the hooking role. The backs. Apologies. Got to get a little bit negative again. Just just on him, on Rua, he was the Jersey Fleet player of the year last year and captained him to a undefeated season maybe. Well, that could have been two years ago actually. Yeah, so, he's, so like he's good. far out. Like there you go. So their nine role is... Yeah, and pair uh, them with Appy. I'll improve out of sight too. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I mean. Like when you talk about like squad like balance, mm. their nine role... You could make the argument it's one of the best nine role, like nine depth in the in the comp, because like you've got hookers, Brandon Smith, Connor Watson, Jake Turpin at the Roosters, which would challenge it, but like Connor Watson, he's more of a thirteen kind of. Uh, Jake Turpin again on the edge there. Appy Corosau right now is the back to back, so he you know kind of outweighs. He has more weight than say a Brandon Smith, even though Brandon Smith Dalian Hooker. Um, for where they are on the table, for them to have that depth in the hooking role, I think that's a massive win. A massive win. Um, now, to their backs. My concern with the backs is, is that, you know, Dane Laurie, more footy under his belt, is going to be great. Do they have the elite level backs yet? They've got potential, but when you compare it to some of these other back lines, I, I worry that, you know, they may not be ready to really compete with the top eight sides yet. I agree. And I think that they're two wingers. You've got Kemba Marlowe and Knopf, who are, you know, the better players in, the, in this back line, who still defensively I've got a lot of question marks over. And then you look at all the centres. And they're not they're, – they're, form-wise, they're not at they're their not peak at right now. Near, you know. No. And then you look at their centres, I mean, <clears throat> mate, you're picking out of a lot of young guys who have potential, but – Centre is such a key position, especially in defence. You can probably talk more about it, but having so many young heads in your centre spots that always worries me. Mm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and the thing with like young, like a young back line, it's like if you get rattled with one or two tries at the start of the game, everyone's heads off. Like everyone's like shooting in, or it's all disconnected. Whereas when you have some older players in key positions, they stay calm, they stay within their systems. What do you reckon about the uh, the backs? Yeah, you mentioned before with Stefano Camano needing to, or one of these younger Tigers forwards to really be the next sort of big thing in the pack. I, my head immediately went to the back line and there's, as Guru touched on, there's a lot of back line players with potential in this side. Like, like what have we got? Tommy Talao, Asu Kapeo, Junior Tupu, 
Um, a few of these blokes who have been hyped up, hyped up, and never really hit their straps. And I let them off the hook a bit because they've played in a struggling Tigers side for the last couple of years when they've had their chances. But I think we just need one of these players to slot in at centre or the wing, and one of them did really hit their straps this year. And behind the forward pack that they've now got, I think they can do it. Mm. Tommy Taylor is the one that I particularly yeah. like, who's had some injury troubles the last couple of years. But <clears throat> Tommy offers a lot. I think he's a really good defensive centre as well. And uh, he's the one that I'm excited to hopefully see with the full season under his belt. Um, they are lacking a bit of strikeout wide. Ken Mamalo, if he does shift to centre, I don't think I've ever seen him play centre. He's, mm. a, he's a big boy. Whether that'll work out or not, I'm not convinced. So... Um, look, I think they've got the platform up front that this back line can do enough damage. Whether or not it's enough to sort of make be top four or compete for a title, I'd probably not, but there's enough there. Do you, if if Nofaluma and, and Mamalo can get back to their best footy, I think <laughs> that changes everything mm. because mm. them at their best footy are literally, you know, one of the best wingers in the comp. Like there's they've you know, David Nofaluma, there was years there where he was incredible. Ken Mamalo at the, the Warriors, there were years where he oh. was the best winger in the comp, just destructive. It's just a matter of getting him back to that spot. And I mean, if, you know, if we're being honest, historically, Tigers don't tend to do that, mm. which is my biggest worry. Oh, I just look at this side and I think that when you're coming up against them, I think the game plan s- sort of writes itself. They've got a big pack, you want to move them around and then you're going <coughs> to really attack their edges. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I'd be, I'd just be running at their three, three in defenders, so yep. their halves, and just staying around the corridors there. Yep. Um, yeah, Tommy Talao, massive, massive raps coming through. Came in, made his debut, played solidly. Had been really unlucky with injuries, especially last year. Um, did you get a chance to see Tommy Talao coming through? But he, uh, if I recall correctly, he had a lot of raps on him. Yeah, yeah, he was he was through all those all those pathways. He was yeah, as you say, a lot of raps on him. One of the guns coming through, and because he he was injured recently, so yeah, he's that that's the only thing that's holding him at the moment. The other one that I thought was good last year, he only came, I think he came after the year, was that um, Stafford Tower, or maybe he arrived late in the preseason yeah, or whatever from the it Knights. was. I, I, I thought he was decent last year. I'm not sure if he's a I'm just not sure what position center. he is. Yeah, that's that's my other yeah, one. Yeah. But I think he has to be a centre in this team, realistically. Uh, yeah, yeah. as you said, Timmy, I think you need one of these young backs to really kick on. There's this... I haven't seen him play, but I've seen a lot of Tigers pages talking up. Young bloke, Josh uh, Felody, I believe it is. I'm not even sure what position he plays, but... They all seem to be I very high. Yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, fingers okay. crossed. Well, maybe he's the guy that, that comes through. Um, all right. The magic question is this a top eight squad? Not for me. You think? Ninth place, mate. <laughs> oh, how dare you, sir? To be honest, though, I, I feel like they're a ninth place team. I, I, oh, really? Ninth? Yeah. I, I, just, I don't think. I said, if they can go okay on the injury front, I think it's a team that can push for the top eight for sure. But. Just not quite there. Maddie, top eight scored or not? I don't think so purely because they're an injury away from disaster. Mm. So, yeah, not for me. I think the other thing just to keep in mind with this Tigers squad and for younger listeners, their coach, Tim Sheens, he's got this incredible knack over the last 40 years of rugby league of just revolutionising whatever is going on. Whether he's capable of doing it with this squad, I don't know. Uh, But he has been doing it for a very long time. So that's the one thing that makes me think... Maybe I'm underestimating this side. Yeah, look, they're building towards something good, mm. in my opinion. It's this year, in my opinion, it's not about making the eight. I mean, it is about making the eight, obviously. It's about fighting for the eight. 
because at least they can show progress. And it might sound like to Tigers fans, we've been sitting at ninth for so long. <laughs> well, actually, when you look at the last years, you've, they've been going back every single year. Um, so this is about reaffirming that they're on the up. If they can do that to the, to the market, all of a sudden they go out and they get that depth seven or they go out, they get that gun winger or center or whatever it is. So right now, I don't think that they have the squad to make the eight. If you had have said to me two years ago, this like is in that, and they'd recruited like this, what I would have said, oh, I think they could challenge for it. But the concern with the Tigers and making the eight this year is the improvement of so many other squads where you go, shit, like, for example, like the Broncos didn't make the the um, the eight. And if you look at the Broncos squad, and maybe I'm, I'm biased, but if you look at the Broncos squad compared to this squad, I would say that's it's more likely of making the eight. And they may not make the eight. Um, you've got the Cowboys, you've got the Sharks, you know, like this, it, that, that eight just becomes, it's becoming very congested. Yeah. So I think just outside the eight. I, I think there's going to be two or three teams this year that improve their football, but ladder-wise don't move, unfortunately. Yeah. Which is a good sign for the comp that, yeah. like, that, you know, we're getting this much improvement. Um, so I think we'll see improvement from the Tigers this year because they've got some of the best recruitment in the competition. Um, but they've got to stay injury free. If they get injuries in key positions, it could be an absolute disaster. Like, dis- like disaster to the point where like people are re- getting releases, all that kind of carry on. Um, I think the other advantage they've got, both of your halves, granted, you need them to stay injury free. They're both off contract. They're both in contract years. Yep. So point to prove there, whether it's going to be at the Tigers or somewhere else, I don't know. But, oh, fuck, I hope it's at the Tigers. I'm just trying to look here. So Brooks, 2023, Dwyer, 2023. Is is that a concern moving forward for recruitment? I think so, for sure. It's, it's an odd situation. You've only got two halves in the club. They're both off contract next year. And the coach you've got this year, you already know, isn't going to be the coach next year. Mm. It's a very unique... I hate to say, but it's a very Tiger situation. Like, there's not many teams that would find themselves in a boat like this other than the Tigers. The concern is, is like, if they kill it, like, let's say they come out, Brooks reaches his potential. Dwight, he plays as well as we know he can. The four-pack come out and just explode people in the first 12 games, and they're sitting top four, which is like, although it's crazy, it's still a reality. It's not like they're so far off that they couldn't do that. All of a sudden, Dwight and Brooks are commanding, like, a million dollars each. And you're going, shit, maybe we should... You know what I mean? So it's a risk, massive risk. And it means if one of them does go good, like that will mean that a couple of these young forwards will go good, a couple of these outside backs will go to a new level. All of a sudden, the Tigers are paying out the arse to keep these guys they've had yep. for years. They haven't got any... Yeah, it's... Interesting. I mean, I understand why the Tigers have done it, though, because it's like, yep. how long... I mean, me personally, I would have... Re- depending on how much he was asking, I would have re-signed he like, earlier in the year. Uh, again, depending if he's asking like 800k or whatever, then obviously I wouldn't resign him. I don't think he's there just yet. But if I could land why here around a five six hundred k, I probably would have kept him at six. Even just having a look at um, David Nofaluma, like he's probably you know the guy that's been there outside of Brooks, the guy that's been there the longest. Like he's got another three years left on his contract, and they let him go to another club halfway. That's through bizarre. What's going to happen there? Like there's no way he sees that three years out. Surely. Well, I. I'm surprised he's back there. I, I didn't think he'd return to be Well, honest. I reckon it would have been more down to the fact that um, Storm probably weren't willing to pay half his... I mean, Tigers, sorry, weren't willing to pay half his deal. Mm. Yeah, because he wouldn't be getting the same at the Storm, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So I reckon the Tigers are like, no, nah, we're not paying you bloody 
you know, four three hundred k to play for someone else kind of thing. Yeah, there is there's there's that kid in the forward pack that I think is one to really watch. That Justin uh, Matamua, I reckon he's one that could make a big difference over the next few years. Okay, so look, really positive signs, especially their forward pack uh, at the Tigers, and it's it's honestly it's still incredible after the years that they've had that they have arguably the best recruitment of any club in the NRL. So good on them. They deserve a rap for that. And uh, yeah, we'll see how they go. And all the reports coming out of it, it's not like they've spent millions and millions to get these guys. Yeah. It all sounds like pr- pretty decent deals. I mean, this Mitch Moses chat, this 1.4 chat, I don't know if they're offering him 1.4, but it, maybe that's why they haven't re-signed one of their halves because they're trying to get Mitch Moses back. I, I can't see Moses going back there far, no way. The report was that that's what's holding up the Bateman signing because oh, they want right. to get Moses. That's just an article I read. But yeah. Yeah. I, I just can't. Could you really see Moses going back to the Tigers after how great it's been at the Eels? Even the way he left the Tigers, I, like it wasn't good. Like it wasn't, wasn't positive. It wasn't mutual. If, it was yeah. a fucking shit fight. And also, like the reports were that they chose Brooks over Moses. Like that was the report that came out. And also, and like the way it was all handled, and it didn't seem like it was a happy breakup. So I, I don't know. Like are they are Tigers? being used right now for Moses to get a bigger contract? You'd have to assume. Surely so. they are. But like, how are they not aware of that? <laughs> like, and look, we don't have any inside info, guys. So maybe yeah. we're talking utter nonsense and we apologize to the Tigers if that's true. But if I was the Tigers, after everything that happened, I would be like, boys, I feel like we're getting used here for a bigger contract. Um, but maybe I'm just too cynical, Guru. Maybe too many bad things have happened to me. I find it hard to believe. Now, <laughs> um, yeah, onto the doggies. Huge, big, huge recruitments, doggies, tigers. That's why we started with it. A lot of changes in the squad. So let's get to the top of the doggies. Um, you know, Matty Burton, his year last year, like, and then he goes away for Australia, plays the way he does for Australia. Absolutely outstanding. Kyle Flanagan, another year working with him interesting situation they're in because obviously Kyle Flanagan it, it like it seems like he can negotiate with other clubs which is surprising because I, I feel like you probably re-sign him for relatively cheap compared to other sevens and he'd get a job done but anyway when you look at this squad uh, Josh had a car on the edge there I will say you know right now in the backs probably a little bit light um, when I look at the forwards, I would say better than last year, maybe needing a young forward like a Pele to step up to really add some oomph to Luke Thompson. But all in all, I think the addition of Reed Marnie working with um, Reed Marnie working with Flanagan and Burton is going to be incredible. Still question, even though I think Avril is a fullback, Still questions marked is, can he take the step? He's a good NRL fullback. Can he take the step to becoming the elite level at the moment? Um, how do you see this squad? Yeah, I think it's another squad that is improving. There's no doubt about that. Obviously, a couple of big signings this year, which is very exciting. Um, you look at the outside backs. Obviously, Josh Adokar, fantastic. But I agree with you, mate. I think outside of him, they probably need a young guy, whether it's... Um, whether it's uh, Skelton or Alamotti to kick on, one of them to really explode. 
Like I, I probably think Braden Burns. I think he'll be a certainty for one of those um, spots on the edges. Declan Casey probably too, but yeah, I don't know about Canterbury. There's a lot of hype around them. I think they'll improve, but I just I'm not sure if they'll I be just a look top at eight. Look side. at these. You've got Karaz that will be, you know, on one edge most likely. Yeah. Or fullback, uh, Corey Allen. Oh, sorry, Braden Burns. Corey Allen's gone. But yeah, I look at this back these these backs and I go, when we look at like the the pinnacle, which is Penrith. And you look at this this squad. Uh, the Penrith are so like so stuck right now. They've got Tita Taruva, who would literally walk into nearly any other side. And then you you look at the backs here and you go, look, there's some potential here for sure. Like for example, I love Karaz. I think he's fantastic. Um, you know, Braden Burns, like quite injury prone, unfortunately, which just sucks because I think he's got so much to offer. You know, really, you've only got one elite tier. Back, and that is Ado Carr. Um, you're still unsure as to who the fullback's going to be. Like Avrilo may be there, but there's no way they're rolling into this preseason going, he's definitely got the jersey. He's their number one. Yeah. Put it this way like, Tigers are more settled on their number one than the Bulldogs are. And we know how important number ones are. Like, absolutely super, super important. Um, so we'll do the negative stuff first, and then we'll get into the positive stuff, guys. So stay stay tuned. Don't, don't be too sad. Um, Timmy, what do you reckon about the squad? Yeah, mate, I was thinking all, all positive. So starting with the negative <laughs> part, you flipped me there a little bit. Um, I, I quite like it. Um, I think there's enough upside there. I, I think I think the f- you're right on Avarillo. There's so much promise there and there's such a good footballer in there. Is fullback his, fullback his best spot? I think it is. The big thing for him and the Bulldogs will be Avarillo's ball playing if that can come along to, to the level that it needs to be. I think what we saw with Josh Adokar at the, at the World Cup coming in, playing around the ruck, <clears throat> that can offset or take a little bit of pressure off Avarillo to be that just speed star in around the ruck, backing up these forwards, big TPJs, kickouts, and they're offloading. I know Adokar can't do that all the time, but there are certainly going to be opportunities. Um, so I, I think, as I said, I think Avarillo's ball playing will be a, a big focal point of the Bulldogs' preseason. If that can come along, Matty Burton's coming off a World Cup campaign, an Origin series uh, where he was excellent. Oh, I just think there's real ingredients for a, a big season from the Doggies. I think the depth is good. Um, TPJ, Tavita Pango Jr. is another one where, like, we know he's a can be a bit of a hothead at times. We know he has his injury concerns, although he's starting to string a few more games together. He could be like the ultimate ball-playing lock, big, aggressive boy, has great passing game on him. Uh, yeah, I, I like what I'm seeing from the doggies. Do you think in ball-playing lock for TP? I think he, well, who else would it be at the dogs that they've got? So I'd go top and I, um, yeah, so. to Pine. To Pine? Yeah. Tavita Panga Jr. for <coughs> me, I would honestly just play him in the front row and say, bro, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, I need you to fucking rip and tear. Mm. I think you just want his job to be as up and down as it possibly can. Yeah. The I, more I, responsibilities you give him, the more... Because, like, oh, I think if gets. you put him in at 13 and your team structure is around Tavita Pangai Jr., he's just – he's too rogue. Yeah. He's too rogue for that. And it, but if you were doing that and, you know, you're worried about him getting 10 in the bin or getting injured or, you know, anything like that, you have Topany off the bench. To, where well, is it? Topine? Topany? How do you Topine. I'm just going to Topine. Topine. Um, Topine off the bench. You can slot in Actually, and do the exact same job. Well, what's um, – Tarpane, and that's with an A, isn't it? Yeah. So it must be top in it. I think it is, yeah. Top, top in it. Yeah. Um, and look, I'm, I'm not convinced on TBJ at lock. I just think 
if there's if they can eventually unlock this bloke and his potential as oh, a footballer, holy dooly. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, don't I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot of chat around Tavita Panga Jr. about this crazy off-season and his promise to coach this or that. <clears throat> you know, I will say Seraldo does have a knack in, you know, getting the best set of players. And there's a lot of young players that have come through the Pen- Penrith Panther system that absolutely swear by Seraldo. Um, it's just... With Tavita, the tough thing is, is like, even, like, not even, like, you know, getting sent for 10 or injuries or whatever. Even, like, some of the plays he does, it's very unstructured and mm. kind of does his own thing, yeah. which can be great, you know, sometimes because it just breaks games open. But uh, just, I would just be saying, mate, I need 10 carries, 20 minutes. Come off from the bench, 10 carries, 20 minutes. At that, I just... Is a bit more structure what he needs. Is that that license of mate Responsible just go, go out there and tear heads and offload? Does that not seem to be a mate? We need you to play a role for us where you are. He's a great passer, got a great passer. Yeah, man. oh for sure. Um, do, does does the structure potentially help him, mate? Yeah. We need you know fifty minutes out of you as a ball playing lock. We if still he was twenty two, if he was twenty two, yeah, I'd say, yeah, that could work. Yeah, he's twenty six or twenty, maybe even turning twenty seven this year. <laughs> and so to play devil's advocate. I would argue that probably the most consistent six or seven weeks of TPJ's career was when he was at Penrith and Seraldo was there. Mm. Hopefully, he can transfer. That's a I'm good like point, you, mate. I just he was he was good at Penrith. Yeah, he was he was really good at. Pen- he came on, did a job, and he did it specifically. Now, is that the Penrith system that's forcing that? Yeah, or is it a Seraldo thing that he has a good connection with? Yeah, that's. I, I'm playing devil's advocate there. I'm not buying it personally. Mm. But if you are looking for a positive there that they can potentially get a TPJ, I think that's the avenue I'd be going down. It's just, it just get like the longer his career goes, the more frustrating it gets because, mate, he could be the best forward in the competition. And that's not hyperbole. No, I'm not. That's, I'm not taking that's the not piss at all. People will say we are. We're not. Tavita Panga Junior. at his best could genuinely be the best forward in the comp, yep. or at least in the top five. He is destructive and he has everything. He has ball playing, crazy offload. Like you literally can't stop him offload. Great footwork. It's like, just, when does that come? And, when, and like, we, I remember that game a couple of years ago where he went on, he went one-on-one with Tamalolo. He played him off the park in that game. Mm. Everyone went origin, origin, origin. The next three weeks, it was just duck eggs from him. Like it's, it's just so up and down. He's got so much ability, but I don't know how they get the very best out of it. And the beauty of this side is that you've got Luke Thompson, you've got Max King, you've well, got Ryan Sutton, you've got guys you can put around him where his job is very simple, well, very limited. Imagine a, imagine a front row starting Tavita Pango Jr., Thompson, Edge, Kikau, other Edge, Raymond Fatala Mariner. Like, that's oh. a fucking good forward pack. It, it's just that, again, and I, as I said, like, that's why I said Pele, when he, if Pele steps up and becomes that front rower, all, like... They just need one big bopper to step up and partner Thompson. And all of a sudden their forward pack goes to that their team, even though I think they're lighter in the backs, I would have their team more chance of making the eight than I would have the Tigers, for example. That's how much, if they just get that last piece of the puzzle, I know that their backs are a little bit light on, but any back line with Adokar in it, you're going to get points if you work with him properly. Burton has proven that he can find points with, with Adokar. But that's the one thing that worries me because it's like a spanner in the works. Because how many times have we watched this year where like Luke Thompson or even Vaughan would go off the field and, you know, Max King would have some good games for sure, but they would just lose that punch to the middle. They, and they, they had no, like, Max King would get forward, but then the other, whoever else was rotating in would just struggle to get forward. Um, 
so that's the only concern with the forward pack. But you could look at a glass half full. If they do, you know, is Paul Alamoli, is that a mistake that he's yeah, in the forwards? Yeah, no, he's, he's a back. He's a So what the yeah. hell? That's all right. Um, you know, another little smoky that I actually think, and you're going to love this, Timmy. Ryan Sutton, mm. when he played 13 at the Raiders, he was putting up 250, mm. nearly 300 metres a game. <laughs> I was actually quite surprised that he got let go. And I even think there was a um, – was there a little drama online and someone posted something and because he was taken off the field or he wasn't selected or something? I don't know. I think – anyway. Um, so I think there were some that were shocked that Ryan Sutton was let go to the, the Dogs. But I actually think that he might deliver quite a bit more than people realise to the Bulldogs because at the Raiders, he was just a victim of their forward pack is insane. It was just – I don't think it was uh – Anything internal going on? Are there any issues? Or anyway, to my knowledge, it was just they had too many gun forwards. No, I, I don't mean he got let go. Sorry, that was my bad. I didn't explain properly. When he did re- sign with someone else, he wasn't getting picked, and so I think there was, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. So, as I would love to still have him at the race, but you're right, mate. Just a bit of an unsung hero. Just a workhorse. Does his job. Super reliable. You know, works on his inside in defence. He'll, he'll never let you down, Ryan Sutton. He wouldn't be on big money there. Mm. Uh, and he could be there starting 13 for the season. I don't know which way they'll go. They'll probably go with a more um, proven, I suppose, ball-playing lock. But, uh, yeah, really, really good signing. Well, really gets injured. Like, plays a lot of games. Yep, yeah. It's it's interesting, like, who do they go with their 13? Now, we've been saying for a bit now, Topaner. Does he have the size to play 13? Thirteen. I mean, I feel like he goes all right when he gets he, on there. He plays well above his weight too, um, I, especially when you consider the rest of the pack. I don't mind having a bit of a smaller thirteen. Mm. He, he, like he, he's tough as nails. I think he'd do a job there, but he's been there for so long and they haven't picked him that I'm starting to wonder if there's more to it. Yeah, that we're not seeing. Well, so, I mean, to be fair, like Seraldo, the new coach, maybe he values that ball playing more than past coaches. Maybe he's crossed. Hopefully. Um, so. Yeah, when I look at this forward pack, as I said, if, if Franklin Pelé or Tavita Pangai Jr. step up, I mean, there's there's even a world where, let's say Tavita Pangai Jr. does hit great form and he's on an edge. You've got an edge of Viliami Kikau and Tavita Pangai Jr. On their day, best back rows in the comp With together. With Tyler Mariner and Andrew Davey on your bench, yeah. like, who are both outstanding. Outstanding. I mean, I'd even, like, there's even a chance, like, Raymond, maybe he fits into that 13 role. Like, uh, his ball playing isn't terrible. Um one of those packs that on paper it's it's incredible but i just i do just have a question mark around each of them you yeah know? Like how does it all click is together how going to transfer over can raymond stay fit you know we we hardly saw much of luke thompson last year um obviously you've got all the question marks around tpj but you're right mate if seraldo can do what we're anticipating him to do they could really go back to that dogs of war yeah. sort of mentality i mean we'll put it this way going into cowboys year this year when you looked at the pack, I would say this pack, maybe on paper, is at least as good on paper. Arguably, you could say better. And obviously, any any pack with Tamalolo in it is fucking incredible. So, like, there is a world where I'm not saying they're going to come second, but Seraldo, he has got some of the biggest raps I've ever heard an assistant coach have. Like, the amount of positive feedback that you get from players, from staff, from anyone that's worked with him. And so, although I still think that they'll be... They'll be pushing for the eight, most likely won't make it. There is a world where they become the Cowboys of 2023. Matty Burton, one of the best young halves coming through. Uh, Kyle Flanagan, obviously Chad Townsend has won a comp, 
but they're similar kind of players. Just lay the platform, allow the guys to do what they need to do. Um, and the beauty of Flano too is that you don't have to pay him seven hundred. No, like like he'd be on one of the one of the lowest wages of halfbacks in the NRL, which means that you can build a monster forward pack. You yeah. can have a superstar at hooker, a superstar at five eight. Yeah. Like, I, ju- I just think people like I, I'm not sure if they can win a comp with Flano, but they can re- they they can definitely be relevant with Flano at halfback and the rest of this team. Yeah. I think the only thing in in regards to comparing to the Cowboys of last year is probably their backs. Cowboys, yeah. you know, their backs were fucking. You look at it now, and they're incredible. Yeah. Whereas the doggies, um, they'll need a couple of young players to step up to become, you know, elite tier for them to compete with. You know, as I said, not saying they're going to be the Cowboys, but I am saying that, like, when you look at the forward pack, you could go, you, we could have easily compared that last year to Cowboys and said, yeah, a lot of potential here, and if it clicks, it goes well. So yeah, and even on that, like Jake Carras, I think unleashed a bit of a potential star last yeah. season. He's terrific, was wonderful again at the World Cup. Paul Adamoti, you haven't seen a lot of him in the top grade, but lots of big, big wraps around him. So, yeah. you know, they're all a year older, a year wiser, yeah. built into their bodies. So there's there's enough potential there to say, you know, who knows how good this backline could be. If one of Skelton or Alamotti kicks on, the backline looks completely different. Mm. And yeah. Braden Burns yeah. can stay well, Casey, injury-free. Casey was good last he year, and then good. he got injured. Except for that debut. Oof. Yeah, rubbish debut oh. and then killed it. Bounce oh, back. I know, that, and that's what it was made it so good. Yeah. Is the debut was an absolute Barry Crocker, and then he came back, had the mental strength to just get it out of his head, and played really, really Which well. Makes me uh, he, that makes him more impressive in my opinion. Oh, you for sure, for sure. Um, now it's about like you don't want him going up and down and up, as in like yeah. you don't want him having a shocker, a good game, a shocker. You want mm. to find that consistency. But yeah, nine out of ten kids, or eight out of ten, or seven out of ten would have been absolutely rattled. And they would have come back, played like a busted, or just been really quiet. Um, so, yeah, uh, in regards to squad balance, I think they've absolutely nailed it. Um, especially if these younger outside backs can kick on. They've got great hookers, obviously. They've got Brandon Clark, they've got Reed Marnie, Fumanu Brown, who was great at the Tigers. Um, Halves-wise, they've got four halves ready to go. They've got Matty Burden, Kyle Flanagan, Beyonde Odo, uh, and uh, Iverson Matai. Um Coverage everywhere, don't Yeah, you? like it's a really well-balanced squad. Like it really is. And you throw on top of that, I don't think New Brown's in the top 30 yet. I don't think he's in their official top 30. You've also got Josh Reynolds on a training trial. Yeah. And the one I'm really excited for that I hope he gets in, the kid that played halfback for Lebanon in the World Cup. Oh, yeah, yeah. Best hair in the game. Best hair in the game. <laughs> I really hope he gets an opportunity. Oh, what's his, I, got his, I have his name here. Where is it? I can't believe I've forgotten his name because I, I, I was a f- massive fan of Raja. him. Raja, yeah, at the World Cup, he was outstanding. And he, he was almost like a younger Josh Reynolds. Yeah, that's exactly. And he, he's like he, he played SG ball last year, the year before, but he was playing fullback then. He yeah, was okay. playing halfback for Lebanon, so he can sort of play. So he's got a good running game anywhere. at the very least. Yes, he, yeah. he's, he's a very Josh Reynolds. He's high energy. He can sort of do anything. He's just a good footballer. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Maybe you know, does he jag a bench spot by the end of the year? Maybe. Yeah. Fourteen. Well, yeah. There's a there's a couple of like Bulldogs pages that I've seen that that. People reckon that he, he could have a shot in the halves at some point this year. So a lot long way to go, but he's another exciting talent that I think Canterbury and that's, that's be keen on. That's the difference, in my opinion, between the Tigers squad and the Bulldogs squad. Is like Tigers squad recruited great, but their depth is just like, you know, it's not really there yet. Yeah. Whereas you look at this dog squad and you've got depth for days almost. Um, yeah, exciting times. Now the question, my personal opinion, I would have them 
more likely to challenge for the eight than the Tigers, for sure. Um, but I still have them just outside the eight. I'm exactly the same. I've got them above the Tigers, but I don't know if I have them above any of the eight top eight teams from last year. I don't know if I have them on top of a Manly with Turbo. Mm. I mean, Manly with Turbo is literally could be premiership winning. <laughs> it's how good he is. Uh, Timmy? Yeah, I'd probably... I'd have them around that nine or ten. The, the, I'm like you, I know I said, a bit of a throwaway line with the Tigers being ninth, but probably just a tick behind the doggies. Um, both a lot of unknowns because they both got such new squads. But, uh, yeah, do- doggies nine or ten and Tigers maybe just a notch behind that. Mm. If you had to choose gun to head, pairing of Kyle Flanagan-Burton, pairing of Dwyhe Brooks. I'd probably go Flano burton where would you go? I would too, just because I think Birdo's the man. Mm. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, it's it's an interesting one because if Brooks plays to this potential that we've seen, you know, for so long. We have to remember, was it 2018, Dally M7 of the year? Mm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that I, I just think that's a really interesting contrast where, like, you you don't really, like, that is a young-ish six or seven that, that could really explode onto something, whereas... You look at the Tigers and you go, they've, they've decided they're, they're the six and seven, but they haven't re-signed them. So it's like these two clubs that are in similar situations, but they're also not when you actually look at the direction of yeah. their key play, their key position. Matt Burton just feels like to me he's a guy that's ready to own a club. Yeah. Mate, he's so fucking this good. This year's so exciting for Burton. Oh, man. Uh, and that's where because he is so good, he's got so much ability, he's ready to own this club. I really think a halfback like Kyle Flanagan's good for him. Yeah, I agree, man. I'm, I'm surprised that they haven't. Now, we have to talk about it. Matty Burton off contract, is that a problem? Yeah, a couple of nervous nights for... Especially with fans, how man. good this guy is. Like, you know, nearly any club would try to... Because he's just a footy player. Like, he'll he'll play centre, get Dally M centre. He'll play six and kill it. That, you know, unique kicking game that he has. Yeah, I, and I also think that... You know, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. You see with young guys that go away on kangaroo tours and spend eight weeks with the best of the best, they come back with a newfound confidence. They're completely new players. He's he is super exciting to watch this year, and he he, he could he could knock his value up two or three hundred k this year. I reckon. Oh, he just he's so impressive. And like like what I loved about and we spoke about it during the year with Matty Burton during that Origin when it, it was legit cauldron, Suncorp Stadium, punch ons, everything's going bloody south. He was still ripping and tearing after the punch on. Like most young blokes in the Origin Cauldron have just been in a fight with Dan Gagai. One of like argue like a generational in the sense of this generation. Dan Gagai on Origin is like one of the best outside backs we've seen. He'll, for people that have been watching for the last five, six, seven years, he'll go down as the guy for them. Dan Gagai um, gets in a punch on. You know, takes a bunch of hit ups after it. Stays super aggressive. And that's the moment where I was like, this, he's a big game player. Like, he doesn't allow moments to get to him. He doesn't get smothered by moments. He just continues to believe in himself and turn up. Matty Burton, for me, if I'm the club, I'm doing literally anything to keep him, other yeah. than obviously paying him like fucking bazillion dollars. But you know what I'm saying. And that's the other advantage I think this Canterbury side has. And I've looked <coughs> through their squad. I think come origin time, I think it'll only be Josh Adokar that goes to play origin. I think Burton... If Turbo is playing, I think he lands a centre spot. I think Jack Whiten's probably on the bench. I think Burton might be the really unlucky guy yeah. in Origin, but it means that they get to keep their entire... Like, I don't see anyone in that forward pack playing Origin. Reed Money will stay too now. Yep. So it's Harry Grant. They're, they're in a really, really good spot. Yeah. 
Where, have you got a make in the eight, Maddie, or where, what do you got? Yeah, I've got them in the little seven, seven to ten, seven to eleven bracket. Um, but as Guru said, it, it is hard to like see who who will they who will drop out of the eight. But aside from that, as of all the teams that are improving, I think they're improving the most. Mm. Like you have a look last year on the ladder, teams that finished fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and eleventh in front of Canterbury, they all underachieved, in my opinion. Manly, Brisbane, Raiders, South Sydney, Roosters, Storm. Yeah. It'll be interesting, but very exciting times for the Bulldogs. I mean, the change is like, and a key person is Seraldo. Like, if he becomes the coach that everyone thinks he can be, it's exciting for the dogs. It's really, really exciting. I'm actually like, as I said, I, I'm, I think the, the Bulldogs have more upside at the moment than the Tigers. I'm, uh, I'm really excited about the Tigers' recruitment and that, but there's just the depth thing that worries me at the Tigers. Uh, but yeah, Doggy's very exciting. Now let's get on to Dragons. Wow. <laughs> this one's tough because as we discussed last week, guys, there's so many what ifs. There's so many, yeah, they are banking on their young guns, but will their young guns become everything they should become at that club? You know, do the young guns need to be somewhere else or, or whatever? So when I look at this squad, They've got one hooker. They've got three halves, but you know one of them, you know, probably is ready for first grade, but will be may maybe playing on the bench. Um, I just they they almost overachieved last year, bizarrely, because of Ben Hunt's absolutely incredible year. So this is a, a massive swing team if their backs turn into the like for example you look at their backs okay we've got Fainai twins we know how talented they are like i really like him you've got suli who in my opinion is a top tier center like i would happily play suli at his best against any other center in the competition outside of maybe latrell or joe manu um that's how good i think suli is you've got zach lomax another elite outside back so when I look at their backs, and if I and, and you've got Ravalara as well, if he re reaches his potential, if I look at their backs, I go, they're fucking really, really good backs, like really good backs. But then I look at their forward pack, and I, I see a bunch of tough, gritty, good forwards. But do they have that extra punch that some of the other squads have? What do you guys think of this squad? You said they bizarrely overachieved. I think they almost definitely overachieved last year. Mm. Like, you have a look. If you, if you just have a look simply at the ladder, the five teams above the Dragons underachieved, these are the teams below them. Manly, Bulldogs, Titans, Knights, Warriors, West Tigers. Tell me which of those teams is going to be worse next year than what they were. Like, they've all improved. Mm. And the Dragons have seemingly just stayed the same for me. They've added Jacob Little, but they lose Andrew McCulloch. I'm, you know, I, I, I think that's a downgrade in my opinion. Yeah. Lose Maguire, lose Sims, lose Alvaro, lose George Burgess. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, like even Jackson Ford and um, Jack Goals, like they, they were good guys to have in your squad to bring in. I just, I don't know about this side. I, I mean, mate, let's, as we said the other day, Ben Hunter had a 10 out of 10 season. If he had an 8 out of 10, where would they have finished? Mm. Yeah. It's, um, I just, yeah, I, I, it's the forward pack for me that's just a bit 
you know, Blake Laurie, absolute nut trucker. And you need a Blake Laurie in your side for sure. Same with Aaron Woods in, in the sense like, you know, good, solid. But Aaron Woods is towards the end of his career. Um, you've got Francis Molo who can put some good footy together. But when we're talking about the tippity top tier, for example, you compare this to, say, a Tigers forward pack. I would say the Tigers forward pack easily on paper. Not, not easily, but it's clear that the Tigers forward pack on paper is better than the Dragons forward pack right now, which is a bit concerning. Timmy, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think the Dragons are in all sorts. And you nailed it, Kempi. Just where's the punch in that pack? And it, mm. it's not a knock on the individuals like uh, Blake Laurie, Francis Molo, Jack DeBellin, uh, Michael Molo, Taro Fumano. All these blokes could slot in to teams and play a really key, valuable role. Yeah. But uh, cumulatively, as a group, none of them are those just blockbusting, um, knock them over forwards that, you know, skittle some defenders and then they play off the back of that. They'll all toil. They'll all do a job. They might grind out a few wins, but, like, there's just – there's no upside to this team. And and I I shouldn't say no upside because they've got some young attacking, like, backline players with potential. But I, I just – I just wonder where the platform's going to come from up front. I don't see how they can finish higher than they did last year. Um, I'm, I'm very excited for the combo of Benny Hunt and Talatau and Moan this year because I think Moan, you know, he's got a really promising future. He'll have learned a lot from the World Cup, a full season under his belt. He's only going to get better. But oh, I just, the pack concerns me a lot. And, and the one you touched on, but the hookers, their hooker, starting hooker Jacob Little, who, good footballer, he'll do a job, but. His last five seasons, he's played 10 games, 20 games, 6, 11, and 13. Like, injury prone. He goes down. Your hooker's probably Moses Embai. Um, they're just... <laughs> or yeah. Sullivan. Or, seen. or Sullivan, yeah. who's, you know, primarily a, a half. I know he played a lot, a bit of hooker in reserve grade last year and at, at times off the bench in first grade. But it's just hard to, to get optimistic about this side, unfortunately. Yeah, it's just it's a, uh, you're, you're totally right. It's no one specifically in that forward pack. It's more just about balancing your mm. forward pack. Like, you know, you look at um, the Dogs and the Tigers and you go, okay, Pele and Stefano, these are two big, big boppers that if they hit their potential can just bust teams open. Matter of fact, if you added either of those guys to this pack and, and they played to their potential... Does it change the world? Not really, but I've, to tell you what, it changes the complete balance of the pack. I mean, even if you added Clemmer to this pack at yep. the moment, it's just that the, the big... I know Aaron Woods is a big fella, but as I said, he's, you know, towards the end of his career, he's more, he's more like in the Fafita stage of his career. You know, bring him off the bench, does a job, take him off. Um, so just, yeah, it's, it's the balance of the full pack. Jack Bird, is he a 13? Like, I think he is, but at the same time, like, he... What, put it this way: What position do you guys think Jack Bird is? He's I definitely he's a good a footy. He's a good, great footy player. But I, I also think that he's not the best suited player for thirteen in this side. I would still go with Jack DeBellin at thirteen. So yeah. your one upside player who's got a bit about him is stuck out, out on an edge, and mm. I just yeah, oh, fuck. There's such a frustrating team to try and put a good squad together because you just there's just no upside in it. It's Ben Hunt or nothing, and you know. I agree, mate. I, I, I love Amon. I think he's got a big future, and I thought he's going to go away to the World Cup. He's going to lead Tonga. They're going to be great. He got over there, and they were picking Isaiah Katoa before him. Mm. Like He didn't even gain any experience out of that World Cup, and Tonga were incredibly disappointing, and he wasn't even part of it. Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And he was he was getting really good towards the back end of the year, mate. Yeah. 
in in the half situation, it's it. There's no no more clarity as to what's going to happen. Like Jaden Sullivan, Bud Sullivan, surely he's not playing 14 off the bench again. Like surely he's leading the New South Wales Cup team around a park to try and win a premiership to get him that experience. But in saying all of that, they Jaden has come out, and even I think Tyrell Sloan have come out and said, you know, we're fully on board. We there's just a bit of a miscommunication, and we're here to be developed and all that kind of stuff. I will say a really interesting thing at the Dragons, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a negative. Outside of Sullivan, Lomax, and uh, where is it? Sullivan and Hunt. Every other player is only signed on to 2024. So, like, there's a world where in you know two years' time, this is a completely different roster. I guess the unfair thing for Hook is, does he have that much time? to be able to re- reset this roster. Yeah. That's a bit of a worry to me, to be honest. That's sort of, it's I, like, I think it's a matter of time until Hook goes personal and then they're starting all over again. They're literally starting all over again and their whole roster is... You know, for example, like, does Suli stay if he continues to play the way he's going to play? Um, so I know this is super, super pessimistic, but if they start the season one from eight or something, with all those players off contract, as you sort of touched on, Kempi, you need a coach coming in with two two years to look ahead and plan for and go get the squad that he wants. So if they are battling, the way the squad's set up, <laughs> does someone come in with a free reign? Alternatively, do they double down on hook and just say, mate, it's still your team for two or three years, build the squad you want, but it's very concerning all around. Oh, the, the thing with the, the, the hook situation is really bizarre because, you know, and someone made a comment of, you know, on YouTube, and it's, it's a fair comment. Look, they're back in their youth. They've got really good guns, rah, rah. The concern was it's like they wanted to leave the club last year. They made massive noise about leaving the club. So it's not like, you know, it's not like you've got these young guys who are like, I'm pissed off, but I absolutely love hook i mean they may be sweet now but at the time there was no like okay i disagree with what's going on but i love this guy as a coach he's really getting the best out of me or whatever you know and maybe it was the the young fella's fault i don't know i don't care whose fault it was the fact that it remains is that they clearly weren't agreeing on where they each saw each player and so the, the dragons are in this very strange spot of like all this really good youth but let's say that let's say hook let's say they go one from eight or whatever and hook you know unfortunately they let him go. I, I I see a painful few years for the dragons because it's a then it is officially a rebuild because then Benny Hunt goes, and then all of a sudden you've got two really young halves. It's a massive rebuild. I just like I don't know like you, you even had Ben Hunt come out a month or two ago and say that oh yeah hooks under pressure. Like we know if we don't perform to start this season you've got. You know, I don't want to harp on it, but you've got three of these blokes that showed up to their end of season do, which blew my mind. You've got the captain coming out and saying, we know he will be gone if we don't win. It seemed to me that there was a lot of guys that would be happy to be playing under another coach next year. Whether those optics are right or not, I don't know. But it is just an awful situation. As you said, like the only bloke that's signed up until 2026 is Zach Lomax. And that was done ages ago. Bro, and if I was Zach Lomax's manager, I'd be saying, let's get you out of there. So I really would. Like, so much potential. But are you ever going to achieve what you're meant to achieve at the Dragons? I, I'm not sure if he will in this current situation. Like, if he could get the money or whatever, and he, maybe he's on a big wicket so he'll stay, which is fair enough. But, like, imagine the doggies with a, a Lomax in the centres. 
or the Tigers with the Lomax and the centers is their, their improvement. I know it sounds silly because you're sitting there going, as a Dragons fan, you're going, Dogs and Tigers are literally below us. Like, what are you talking about? But I, I don't know. I just see at the moment as a club, I see more upside. I mean, Tigers are a different case because <laughs> you just don't know what's going to happen with that club. But Bulldogs with Seraldo, with the Laundy group behind them, with Gus Gould, like that, if that's not a club on the up, like, I don't know what other indication you could get. Whereas the Dragons at the moment, um, but anyway, let's, let's try to get positive. Let's try to get positive because I know Dragons fans will be stinging right now. The positive is, is their outside backs talent is fucking amazing. Mm. Like actually amazing. Matter of fact, like if they all reach their potential, they could be one of the better back lines in the competition, in my opinion, outside of maybe, well, Tyrell Sloan, if he reaches his potential, fullback wise, he could be, you know, a top tier fullback. Um, that's that's if he reaches his potential. But when you let's say let's say you've got a Sloan in two years or whatever hitting his peak, great ball player, great ball runner, gets better at defence, gets all that, all that kind of stuff. You've got Lomax at his peak, who, peak who was literally in the Origin squad, Suli, who as I said, I think he's a top tier, and then you got Fainai on one wing and you have got Ravalara on another one. Tell me that's not an, a, a top tier backline. And this is the frustrating thing, mate. Like they they've got the players. Like, like you look through and you go like like I would argue that Lomax and Suli, whilst they're young and they're getting there, like they're, they're probably two more strike centers than a lot of other teams in this competition. Easily, easily. Like okay, we just talked about Tigers doggies. Imagine those two sides with those two centers in it. We all put it this way. Imagine the doggies. How differently we'd be talking about them if they had Suli and Lomax in the centers right now. We'd be going fuck. This is maybe even a top eight side. You know, I, I guess that that is one positive for St George that you know Mo, Moses Sully arrived there with a bit of a question mark around him. Are they going to get the very best? And they did get the best out of him. Yeah. So hopefully they they can do it with a heap of these other guys. But you just they got heaps of depth in the backs as well. Yeah. So like that is an exciting thing for the for the Dragons is their backs are, are bloody good, like bloody good. Um, in the halves, what what do you do? The, the the they're in this weird position where it's almost too good to be true. Where you look at some of the other depth of the halves and they'd, they'd die to have a Jaden Sullivan ready there to go. In some clubs, he'd even be starting. Do you think it's a good or like it's a good or a bad thing? Is it throwing the balance out of who is the, the, the pairing going forward or would you put Benny Hunt at nine and just say stuff it? Like oh, I don't think they can afford to play Hunt at nine. I just, as much as I think it's his better position, I just, I don't think they have anyone that's ready to lead a side around, let alone this side. Oh, I think you need Hunt at seven. What, what do you think? Being such a, an integral figure of this side and you say they can't afford to put Hunt at nine, could he be the Cam Smith to this side that leads it from hooker? He's still, he's still the direction. He's still mm. a you know, big part of the kicking game and all that. You've got these two rookie halves yeah. with huge upside, but Benny Hunt still runs the show from nine. Because in terms of balance of your six, seven and nine, you know, that's good. There's a lot of points there. It's a good side. But, as you said, you're leaving it to two young fellas at six and seven. Do you, you don't think they could do it? I don't know. Anything, anyone that says, can he be the Cam Smith, that worries me. <laughs> that yeah. worries me. And I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I completely you understand. You more mean just like the, the general yeah, out of nine. But I just... Yeah, I, yeah, 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 the general yeah. Nine, yeah. which doesn't happen in too many NRL sides. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah. I, and Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I, I think they need him at seven. I think they need him. Well, I, I also think, I don't around. think he wants to play nine. Like, I don't think, you know, he's had a good career, you know, arguably the best seven to some people last year. And he's, he's minding, be like, no, like, I'm a, you guys sort that out. Like, I'll continue to play really well. 
Um, if Jacob Little goes down, how far can this side go with Moses Embai or Sullivan at nine for a full season? Yeah, it'd be tough. Like they may be forced to put Benny Hunt at nine if he goes mm, down. Be like, wouldn't surprise me at all. Sorry, the reality mate. is. Ben Hunt still signed up for another three years. He's thirty-two years old. I like. I also don't think, from that perspective, they can afford to let him make forty tackles per yeah. game because you know he fucking will. At that age, he'll make well. you fifty tackles yeah. per game. Yeah. So, yeah, the Dragons, as I said, the positive is they got some of the best, most talented young halves with Sullivan and Amone. Uh, their backs, in my opinion, are absolutely outstanding. Um, they've got some good individual forwards for sure. It's just you know the the cohesion of it that it's a bit surprising. Um, it's easy to also allude to when you're talking about all, all these teams you look at upside and attacking where are the points and the strike coming from but defensively I think it's quite a good team like while while you know you, you touched on Sully and Lomax their strike out wide but I think the entire back line defensively are, are pretty rock solid there are a lot of teams then where I go geez I'll be attacking straight at this pair or this pair or this bloke out here mm. that type of team like you know what I think it'll be a very resilient defensive outfit um, so actually, it's not without. It's like what know. they did this year, like in games where they just like they they were so gritty, mm. and so and that's like the kind of coach Hook is. So if they are to challenge for the eight again, like they did last year, it'll be through just grit and grind, yeah. and then allowing Benny Hunt to do what he does, the magic that he does. Because um, as I said, you, you're right in regards to all their forwards, like individually, you know, Lake Laurie, Grinder, DeBellin, one of the best defensive forwards there are. Um, Sua at his peak Origin player um, Back Well you know A couple of years ago um, Fui Maono Has some really good moments As well We always know Jack Bird So You know Maybe they do Try to Because they're not As big of a forward pack Maybe they try to be Just real grindy And gritty And they allow their Outside backs To get the points for them Shout out to Ben Hunt too, 291st grade game, so he should bring up three scones this year. It's an incredible effort when you consider his entire career and everything he's been through. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, the million dollar question, is this an eight side, boys? Not for me. Jimmy? God, no. Yeah, no, they're, they're down the bottom for me. Yeah. yeah, it's actually. I think. Like, did we have? Did I have them as fighting for? We them? all had them. At, well, yeah. I so, think us, so I don't I, think you joined yet. We I remember exactly what it was. Yeah. It was. It was the eighth place was going to be either the Canberra Raiders or the Dragons. Yeah. yeah that okay. was that was the prediction from last year, and the, yeah. and and they came what eighth and tenth. So it was pretty bang yeah. on. And I think that was a pretty general opinion too. I think a lot of people shared a similar thought that the Dragons could be Smokies, but then it quickly. The season started, and I think it was a bit of a reality check for everyone. Oh, you know why? It was because their young guns came in at the yeah. end of the year before and they just fucking it. smoked it. And Stone they were, in particular. Yeah, just playing mad, and then all of a sudden, yeah. Um, unfortunately for me, I can't see them making the eight. Um, happy to be proven wrong, just like with the Tigers doggies. Happy. Matter of fact, I'd be stoked, because how good would that be for rugby league that all three of those were fighting for the eight? But unfortunately, I just... Just don't know if they've recruited enough punch in the middle. They could just get one or two big boppers. I would, I would um, be like, yep, I can think they can. So, the, look, glass half full thinking. If they can recruit really well this year, they're, they're almost they could swing so quickly into oh shit because they've got Ben Hunt. You know, they could find let's say Jacob Little find some um, not not as injury prone or whatever and get some games on his, under his belt. So. But unfortunately, this season, I'm uh, yeah, I don't think they'll make the eight. It would uh, be interesting, like if Hook does go, it's 
Jeez, there are some decent coaches that don't have teams at the moment. Yeah. Like a, a Desi Hasler or one of these. Like it could. Could you imagine Desi Hasler at the Dragons? Holy well, sure, if, the, if it doesn't work with Hawk, surely he's the guy they go to, isn't it? I mean, he, he almost can guarantee that he's, he might be a mad scientist and he'll do all this crazy shit, but he almost guarantees finals footy. Yep. You'll be relevant. Yeah. Like, think about it. He literally almost guarantees finals footy. Um, almost. Uh, also, guys, Lake Macquarie Hotel in Morissette from this Friday will have a huge floor stack of both Bloke Lager and Bloke Midi. It's running a summer special for Bloke Lager. $52.99. Absolutely get it. I'm getting fleeced here, guys. $52.99. <laughs> and also Bloke Midi for $48.99. Um, so head into Lake Macquarie Hotel in Morissette. It's from this Friday. They'll have huge floor stack of both Bloke Lager and Bloke Midi. That is actually a massive, massive discount, guys. Seriously, the cost of brewing it is not far off that. Let's just put it that way. Um, so that's a massive, massive discount. That is at Lake Macquarie Hotel. As always, guys, if you love the podcast and you want to try a new beer or you already drink beer or drink bloke beer, make sure to get in your local, grab a case of bloke in a bar beer. We're in every single celebrations, bottle IJ Plus Liquor and Paul's Liquor in New South Wales and ACT, plus hundreds of stores across Queensland, New South Wales, ACT, Victoria. We've got a website. Go to the website, a store locator. You put in your postcode, grab a case of bloke in a bar. It's a beautiful beer. Really, really easy drinking. Um, you'll be surprised. Trust me. It's not fruity. It's not hoppy. It's a session lager, and it's perfect for summer of sport. So grab a case of bloke in a bar from local, or get down, grab a six-pack to give her a crack, where it's a midi or a, a um, our full strength. It's a beautiful, beautiful beer. And you know you know where it come from. It come from me, baby. I started it. It's not some random beer from random places. It's a good Aussie beer. Good Aussie beer. Aussie spirit in a can. And it's for a, blo a beer for blokes that turn up for their mates, family, and good times. Now, on to the Brizzy Broncos. Uh, really, really interesting squad, the Brizzy Broncos, because obviously we went on that crazy run last year. So if you got three quarters away through the year, you'd be sitting there going, this, this squad is like, really could be the next... It essentially could be the Cowboys or the Sharks. That's, that's where they should have been landing like this year. But because of the massive fallout at the end of last year, it's just, it could be a disaster. You don't know because the, the rate at which they fell out of the eight and all the dramas surrounding everything and, you know, off-field, rah, rah, squad on paper is extremely exciting. But the concern at the Broncos, and it has been for quite a while, is they've had the squad on paper uh, you know, outside of obviously they haven't had a guy like Reynolds at the club, you know, last couple of years. Now Reynolds arrives, that changes a little bit. But when I look at the squad, it's an exciting squad. But can they put it together? That is the question. And are they all on board? Is the coach, the staff, the admin, the team, are they all as one and really truly believe that they are on the, going in the same direction? They're, they're such an interesting side because if you would have said to me in the preseason of last year, Broncos finishing ninth, is that a win? I would have said 100%. Yeah. But then we got to the end of the season, they were ninth, and I was incredibly disappointed because they showed throughout the year that their ceiling is so much higher. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to put your finger on what happened at the back end there. I, something had to happen. Some, mate, some, the, that just doesn't happen to that, 40 teams. No, what, like to just completely implode like that, yeah. there had to be a specific moment. I mean, we've got no evidence of it. I've got no inside information, guys, so I'm, don't, I don't know... I've never seen anything like it before. Going from a team that was like almost taking the, the NRL by storm where you were going, 
wow, this, this team could maybe even mix it with Penrith at their best. Like they're young, they're enthusiastic, they're explosive. Reynolds has got the ball on a string. To all of a sudden, like this team could win the spoon they're playing that poorly. And that, and that was the thing. When they were going good, it was the same every single week. Yeah. It wasn't like it was a different brand of footy every week and they were throwing the ball. Like they were... And they were super tough. They were tough and they, and they were one of the more consistent sides in the competition for a while there. Like I remember probably gave you the um, kiss of death, but I remember sitting here saying, you yeah. know what you're going to get every week with Brisbane now? And then the opposite happened for the last eight weeks. They lost to the Tigers, and then it was just, just like absolute shamozzle. No, sorry, they lost to the Eels or something? Cowboys? Um, uh, anyway, they lost to someone that they shouldn't have lost to, yeah. and it was just a disaster after yeah. that. Um, you know, but we're, we're previewing a squad, so we, I guess we've just got to try and balance that in. When I look at their backs... I get super, super excited. Katoni Staggs, Corey Oates, Herbie Farmworth, um, Reese Walsh at the back, Selwyn Cobbo. I mean, we've got guys like Mariner, who's a young gun coming through. Delois Huda came in and played, uh, Halter came in and played fantastic. Jesse Arthurs is, is a good depth um, signing. Tessie New may not even make the starting 17. Like, it is a top, top, top tier back squad. Like, you, you couldn't honestly ask for much more. Um, you know, you've got a guy like Pereira who is fucking on his day is really, really good. Um, then you go to the forwards and you've got Pierre Cora, a lot of potential. Corey Jensen was absolutely fantastic for most of the year for the Broncos. Jordan Riki struggling to find his potential, but we know he has a lot of potential. Palacia, uh, Palacia, obviously with the Titans, but again, when Haas was out last year, he was fantastic. Hetherington, again, we could go through the list, but like... On paper, it's way more balanced than it was two years ago. Like, I cannot express... Two years ago, we were sitting there going, this is super unbalanced, this squad. They've got no halves. They've got no nine. What's going on? Fast forward now, Ezra Mam, one of the most exciting young sixes coming up in the um, comp. They've got Jock Madden, a perfect signing for depth. We'll put pressure on Ezra Mam to make sure that... You know, everyone knows that Ezra Mam, attacking-wise... You could make the case that he's the most exciting attacking six in the young six in the comp. But the good thing about Jock Madden is, is that what Jock Madden doesn't have in attack, he'll force Mam to have in defense by, by putting pressure and saying, okay, yeah, okay, you might have this incredible ball running game, but if you don't make sure that everything else is sorted, they may pick me over you because they just want a steady six there to do the job. Guru, what do you think about the Brizzy Broncos squad? Just when you have a look through that squad, like how important is it to have a Jock Madden? Just oh, when you look at it, massive. you just go, okay, if you have an injury in the halves, which you probably will at some point, you've got a guy that can come in and just do a job. Yeah. Not going to let you down. He's just going to do a job. And there's so many teams that could do with having a Jock Madden in their side. Um, I really like it, mate. We've got a, um, a best 17 sort of up in front of us here, and it's a, it's a strong squad. I, I think that they can be successful. I, I love Reese Walsh going there. I well, know. This, is back, this back five, Walsh. Oats, Farmworth, Stags, Cobbo. Wild. Yeah. And, you, you know, you consider, I think Corey Oates played his best footy last year since he has, probably since they were in the grand final. Yeah. Uh, Farmworth was sensational. I think he can add a little bit more to his game, but the running game is just And he was injured most incredible. of the year last year, but at the yeah. World Cup, he was absolutely sensational. Right, yeah. Uh, Katoni Stags. I, should, I hope this is the year. Yeah. I feel please. like we're still just way. I love Stags. I just... But every year I get so excited and it just he's, – he's always solid, but I just feel like he's got another two levels in him. Easy. Easy. Um, and Cobbo, obviously, uh, crazy that this was the kid we were watching in the Q Cup grand final. 
not that long ago, all yep. of a sudden he's playing for Queensland and there was a period there where we were saying he will probably be in the Kangaroos squad. Yep. Like, yeah, the backs are incredible. Ezra, man, what a find he's been. Just to pluck a kid like him that – and, you know, we, we all of us have seen it so many times. Q Cup, New South Wales Cup, all the highlights in the world, gets yeah. the first grade, bright lights, nothing. Yeah. He, he matched it. Like some of the some of the plays he came up with last year, his high-end potential is tremendous. And a guy like him that came in with so many highlights, normally he would worry me in his second year, but having Reynolds with him, that gives me a lot of confidence. Yeah, and I it, like glass half full thinking, the fact that they finished so poorly with Ezra Mann will make him think, I'm not a shoe in for this spot. <clears throat> yep. And also the fact they went out and signed Madden, even though I think internally the Broncos aren't like, you know, yeah, we're replacing Mann. It's still, as a young fellow, you're like, oh, shit. Like, you know, it's not as, as set as I thought it was. Timmy, what do you reckon about the squad? Yeah, look, we're, we're looking at a genuine top four, maybe top six, being a bit more conservative squad here on paper. And, and we saw that for the vast majority of last year. And one thing I learned from last year that I'll never doubt again is just the impact of off-field drama. And just uh, the Broncos had one of the great bed shits. Uh, mainly with Jersey Gate, did the same a couple of years before the Dragons with Barbecue Gate. <laughs> but they, like, teams come back from these things and we'll just not win a game of football. Yeah. It's incredibly impact. I think mainly I was saying that, you know, Desi Hazler will get the boys going, they'll be, they'll be fine. I think Guru sort of said, oh, I'm not so convinced and I don't know if they won a game in the back end of the season. And this Broncos, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's got everything. In terms of balance, it has youth, it has attacking upside, it has depth in every position. Um, you can't knock it one bit. It has strike power and flair. Like you, some people will be saying, "Oh, you know, we want to make the top eight and play finals football." If I'm a Broncos fan, I'm sitting there going, "No, no, like we can play top four with the squad that we're going to be running out this season." There are very few chinks in it. Uh, if they can get any off-field potential off-field dramas sorted, it's you'd be very excited going into the season. Yeah, it's it is an incredible squad. It's it's a top four squad in my opinion. Um, the only bit where I'm like. It's the number nine position. Mm, yeah. That's the only spot where I'm like, you know, Billy Walters is, this is essentially what his second year is a, a full time number nine. Um, you've got Corey Pakes, who is more of a, a, an impact 14 number nine player, but like genuine number nines when we compare to Abby Corrissau, Reed Marnie, Harry Grant, Benny Hunt when he plays there. You know, all those top tier number nines. Maybe Billy can get there because, you know, get a few more years under his belt in that nine role. But the, the only concern, or the biggest concern, well, two concerns, it's the off-field stuff. And it's also, we aren't anywhere closer to knowing who is going to start at number nine for the Brizzy Broncos. And got a guy like Moser, Blake Moser, is probably too far away at the moment for 2023 to become the guy. 2024, different story. Moser, he's a out-and-out nine, played nine for Queensland. You know, doesn't mean he's definitely going to kick on and do things, but when you're talking about like having an actual number nine as your number nine, Moser is the only one in that that you know the hookers they have in their squad. Um, in saying that, we look back to the preseason <coughs> last year. It was a similar narrative to Ezra Man as far as all their halves went. You had mm. all these guys to choose from, and he was the young guy. So I just uh, I think very similar to what it was last year with their halves, watching all those preseason trials and trying to play musical fucking chairs with their halves. I think the nine and the 14 jersey is going to be very similar. I really wouldn't be surprised if Blake Moser does become a little bit more relevant faster than what we're anticipating. Yeah, I can see towards the end of the year. Mm. I just think it, yeah, start of the year, like, when did, can you check when Ezra Mann made his debut and then stayed in the side? 
maybe it might be similar timing to him because it was about mid-year, wasn't it, when Ezra Mam eventually got the gig? That'd be my guess. It was right around Origin, yeah. yeah. About 12 or 13 or so. Yeah, so he debuted Ezra Mam in round 11. And he was pretty much stayed until around 24. Yeah. yeah. So so potentially, I will say, though, being in the middle at number nine as so young, that's a bit more of a hurdle than being yep. a six outside Reynolds. Um, but hey, don't get me wrong, as, as a Broncos fan, fuck, if Moser can, Moser can progress quicker than we thought, if you've got a young gun of Moser, Mam, and then your Reynolds and Reese Walsh, all of a sudden the spine is like... It's a, it's sorted for the next whatever years. B, when Reynolds retires, you you know exactly what you need. You need to go out and find a structured seven to just get the job done. Um, interesting in regards to their their so they lose Palacia, Brendan Piacora, he's got a lot of potential. They've got Rabadi that's got a lot of potential. Do you see a world in which their forward pack changes at all towards the end of the year? Yeah, I, I think throughout the season it will. I, I think especially your, your bench could change up a little bit. Like Corey Jensen's another one. I thought he was really impressive last year. I, in my mind, before I wrote it down, I thought oh, he'll be in the side somewhere. Yeah, uh, which, which is a great sign um, of a good team. But like, I also like TC Rabadi. I really like him. I, um, Xavier Willison. I think he's been unlucky with injuries the last yeah, few years. He can play as well. He's still really young too. Big, yeah. big, big boy. So, mate, you, you've got options. You've got plenty of options there. Um, great coverage as far as depth goes. Does Tyson Smoothie come out of the woodwork for a nine? Is well, he he's the other one that I think is worth watching. He got Q Cup Player of the Year. Uh, sorry, um, Hooker of the Year last year. So he's one to watch. And you know, as we said, if Moser and if Smoothie can sort of start to develop and start to get closer to it, it also pushes up. Waltzes and Pakes for them to go, fuck, this isn't our jersey. Yeah. Gotta make so you, you love to have competition for four positions there i just i'm really worried that brisbane despite this great squad if they play musical chairs with the nine all year so like name me a good successful team that's changed nines all years it just yeah. doesn't happen it's funny how depth in a position can be so counterproductive at times particularly when all the players are on a similar level like we saw with the three hookers last season because they kept chopping and changing and it just achieved nothing for them mm. there's no sort of cohesion around that area this season, and it's not something that you can preempt going into round one, but this pack should be pretty dominant and get on top of a lot of opposition. In which case, I think someone like Smoothie or even uh, Blake Moser, who's obviously a lot younger to his hooking counterparts there, could come in and, you know, it's not that hard a role to play. You sit there, you dish early quality clean service to Reynolds and Mann, which is what they need, um, assuming they're up to the standard defensively and can hold their own. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not so surprised, so I wouldn't be so surprised if either of those two did start in round one. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how it'll pan out, but I... I'd like to see just an out-and-out out nine in there. Yeah, yeah well, I sure. personally don't think that Walters or Pakes has done enough that if Moser and Smoothie are the best in pre-season, mm. that they automatically get it. For sure. Well, how old yeah. is Moser? We're talking like 19 or something. Yeah, or 19. He's proper yeah. young. He's young. He's young yeah. as anything. And and Smoothie to get the Q Cup hooker of the year, like that's not easy like, at all to do. At all. 23. Like, I guess we have to ask. Moser's 23? No, Smoothie's 23. Oh, really? Yeah, so maybe he's the man. Maybe he's the guy because... When you think about it, and, and maybe Billy Walters could have, but could Billy Walters have won Hooker of the Year in Q Cup? He probably would have been a six in Q Cup. Probably, yeah. Um, he probably would have you know, killed it, 
at six for sure, no doubt. But Woody won number nine. And so yeah. I wonder whether Smoothie might be the guy that Smokey that sneaks in there. And that's the other thing about Smoothie. He's come through that storm system under Grant, Brandon Smith, Cameron Smith, all those guys. <laughs> so not bad pedigree. And Billy Billy Walters is also a great 14, I think. Um, he's a, I think he's a fantastic yeah, 14. Yeah, so, you know, maybe it could be a setup where you, you, you play Billy Walters for the first 20, particularly the first few rounds, if you were bringing, um, say, Smoothie through. Mm. Take the sting out early and then just play him as the bench utility. Yeah, because, but, uh, you know... So it doesn't really – it's actually pretty hard to find Blake Moses' age, but he was in the under-19s last year. So, so he's probably 20. 19 or 20 or something. 19 or 20. Um, and and I, like, I like Walters at 14 because I felt like he did bring some impacts in some games off the bench. Plus, it covers – because right now, if you had Corey Pikes at 14, I mean, technically you could argue it still covers everything because Walters can move into the halves if someone gets injured. But then you're also – making either Corey or Walters play 80 minutes, essentially, which mm. is a tough gig. Um, so, yeah, look, the, so that, that's a concern, number nine. See how they go. I think Smoothie's a genius buy, an absolute genius buy. Other concern is the off-field stuff. I think that's their biggest hurdle is because these things, like, if it was just like a little hiccup and then they got back on the bike and they didn't make the eight, but they got back on the bike and played well, but... They literally just completely fell off a cliff. And that stuff doesn't get fixed without an honesty session and all that kind of carry on. Like, I mean, look at the Canberra Raiders. It required Ricky and the senior players to legit sit down and say, what's the issue? Let's sort it out. So I'm hoping the Broncos have done that and they haven't just tried to be like, no, no, it's all good. We just, you know, got tired or whatever. Um, some huge, huge positives. Uh, Paddy Carrigan playing for Australia. You know, he's absolutely the club's next captain. Tommy Flegler had the best year of his career last um, season. Payne Haas, another year, you know, he just went down with an ankle injury, but it's not serious, so there's nothing to worry about there. He also had an entire off-season to rest, Payne Haas as well. He didn't have to go out and play uh, World Cup footy. A forward pack that starts with Haas and Flegler is a pretty scary forward pack, in my opinion. Like, really, really scary forward pack. And I think that's the big slipped-on thing about the back end of your season. I think your last 10 games, Carrigan played four of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's massive loss. Massive loss. Huge loss. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think Kurt Catewell's going to have a much bigger year. So I, th- I found out later in the year that he was playing, like, the back end of the season. He needed a shoulder, either a shoulder reconstruction or his shoulder was completely busted or something and like that. And that's why he struggled a little bit it towards showed, the end of the year. Yeah. yeah, he really struggled with, like, you know – few missed tackles and all that, which is so hard to do because, like, don't get me wrong, I understand the, the, the reasoning of once you cross the right line, there is no excuses. But at the end of the day, there's a reality. There's facts. And if your shoulder's busted, the chances of making a lot of tackles is pretty tough. So I hope he bounced back. I think this is a, a huge year for Ricky. I really do. I think at the moment, for so many years, we've been – not for so many years, for at least a year or two, we've been floating on what he could be. I think it's time for him to really step up and become what he what he he needs to become an impactful player on the edge for the Brizzy Broncos because we've got too many good edge back rowers that aren't playing first grade um, that are putting pressure on him, putting pressure on him. Needs to be a massive year from Ricky in my opinion. Um, but yeah, like like squad balance, everything. It's the best it's looked in a very long time. Arguably, best it's looked since. Wayne Bennett left the club, probably. I was just about to say, it's the first time in a while that I've looked at a Broncos team and gone, like, fuck, there is competition. Unless your name is Adam Reynolds, there is competition for every single position in this side. Literally. 
you know, Herbie has a bad run. You've got Jesse Arthur's there. You've got Hoyta. You've got Mariner. Um, even Jesus. though, you know what I mean? Like so you've got many so many options There's there. There's this kid there too, this Ethan, I think it's Kwai Ward. He hasn't played first grade yet. He's another really, he's been going well, really good in Q Cup. The fact so. that he's in the first grade squad yep. means he must be fucking good. Yeah. Um, you know, so really, really exciting times. Like really exciting times for the, for the Rizzy Broncos. It's just a matter of getting it all on the field. And you've had a look at the guys that they've lost. You know, I go through, you know, the guys that I think they'll miss the most, probably um, Tamara Martin, who the start of last year, we weren't even sure what he yeah. was going to bring. And probably Zach Hoskins, who I didn't know who he was at the start of last yeah. year. Yeah. But when you've got guys like um, Rabadi, Piacora, yep. you hope that they can fill that gap. Um, of That's losing. what I'm saying though. Like yeah. at least their losses. I don't think any of those guys are catastrophic losses. Yeah, either. agreed. Agreed. Um, so look, really exciting for the Broncos, but, they're truly a side where it's not the it's not on paper. It's about whatever is going on off the off the field. If that isn't sorted, we could see an absolute disaster. Like a dis, the, if they if they you know come tenth, eleventh, or twelfth, that is an unmitigated absolute disaster with this squad. Unless they get absolutely decimated by injury or whatever. But when you look at this on paper compared to some of the other squads, they should make the eight, in my opinion. What do you reckon, Guru? Yeah, I've got them. Probably six to ten, maybe. Timmy? Around that mark. Oh, anything less than top eight would be a huge disappointment. I, I'd have them. I think they should be sitting around five to eight, definitely. And I don't think it's unre- unrealistic at all to say third or fourth. Yeah, I really don't. Well, where they can finish that, for sure. Um, with you guys, I reckon anything out of the top eight would be a fail for this team. I think it's we all have a lot of recency bias, me included. They only lost one more game in the regular season than the Rabbitohs and, and Raiders last year. Like they were. That was so good for three quarters of the year. Obviously, they fell off, but I mean, surely that won't happen again, right? Like, this team is definitely a top eight team, and it's, as you said, it's even more balanced this year. So, yeah, I reckon if they don't make the finals, it's a complete fail. Yeah, agreed. Anything outside, anything not top eight for me is a disaster. Like, unless there's, you know, massive injuries in key positions. This this squad is like Selwyn Cobbo, just sitting on a sting. Reese Walsh. Has he hit superstar status yet? As in, you know, no. But I mean, he's got all the makings of an incredible ball playing fullback. Um, Tony Staggs, origin player. Herbie Farmworth, gun, like one of their best for the last few years. Uh, their depth is incredible. So hopefully, fingers crossed, hopefully they can sort out whatever was the drama off field, if there was a drama. Um, but I think if there wasn't a drama, that's a drama in itself. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like the, the fact that they can just do well, that, that. That, that. That's a good point, isn't it? Like, you'd want to hope there was something. That happened. Pretty fucked up that happened there, or there's a lot more question marks. Yeah, otherwise they're, they're lazy. They're a lazy squad. Like, they'll just turn it off and say, yeah, fuck it, boys, we're packing her in, which is concerning. But I, I, I doubt it. I, it's, it's too crazy not to. They're all professionals. Um, On to the, the mighty Raiders. Timmy, I'm just going to just throw it straight to you, mate. How are you feeling about them? Good. Always good about the, the milk, mate. <laughs> uh, to be honest, not a lot's changed. Very, very similar squad that'll run out this year to last. You know, we've lost a couple there, but a few, few younger blokes. The one we've seen, Trey Mooney, probably comes into the fray. But the team runs out, very similar. We, we've touched on in, in recent podcasts, someone like Xavier Savage now has a season under his belt. They persisted with it, which can only mean good things for him this year. Uh, the fact it is a balanced roster, they know 
they know each other inside out. Jamal Fogarty got through the back end of the season. So his combination with Jackie White, and it's going to come on leaps and bounds. And we saw some really good signs. Um, you know, there's no reason not to be confident going into round one. What do you reckon, Guru? Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with everything Timmy just said. Just You'd probably know more than us. Who do you think plays 13? Uh, I know they experimented with Whitehead there a little bit last year until they set it on Adam Elliott. He's obviously not there. Sutton's not there. Do they look at Whitehead once again? Is Trey mm. Mooney ready? What I don't do you think, think so. And, and I think we even saw in the World Cup how good Whitehead was on the edge. Yeah, I remember probably. at the start of last year, I was like, you know, he's getting on a little bit. Maybe it is time to move into the middle. But what's underappreciated about Elliot Whitehead, Whitehead is his defence on the edges. Yeah. Mm. He's rock solid. And you don't want to change that at all. So I think Whitehead will stay on the edge. Uh, Ricky's shown in the past at times he's happy to go with another big bopper like Corey Horsburgh. In the middle, but I think the two logical ones are probably it's hard because Corey Howard and Naira is better on an edge, but you know he's also got ball playing ability to fill that void if he does want a ball playing lock. The big question mark will be: Is Trey Mooney ready to step up and be a starting NRL thirteen? Because he's got the ball playing ability to be that thirteen. He's a gun, uh, and, and he's the logical one for me. But is he ready? Uh, preseason trials will tell the story there. So, uh, look, if you're asking me now, I'd say. They'll just probably go with another big bopper and then hopefully by around six or seven, Trey Mooney steps in and he's the man. It's, uh, yeah, looking at this squad, it's exciting. It's really exciting. You know, a, f- a front row of Papali'i, Tarpane. You know, the way Papali'i played in the World Cup, the way Tarpane played in the World Cup. You know, you could, uh, you could argue Tarpane was the best front row of the World Cup at times. Um, if not of the whole World Cup, I thought he was really, really good. Uh, that's a dangerous. Then you got Hudson Young, another year of confidence and a full year under his belt. He was literally getting chat about. I mean, he made the Australian squad, didn't he? Did he made the like is in the, the extended squad. Yeah. yeah, he made the extended Australian squad. And you got him on an edge. You got Elliot Whitehead, who was arguably one of the best back rowers uh, of the World Cup. I thought he was incredible. The key for me though is another season with Jackie Whiten and Fogarty. People forget Fogarty didn't come into what round. Six or seven at the earliest. Oh, no, later, later eleven yeah. or twelve. Yeah, well, eleven or twelve, yeah. and they went on the run that they did. Like J- Jackie White and goes away to the World Cup, absolutely kills it. So good, so good. I mean, them a whole preseason together as well, because he was didn't he do his ACL? No, it was round one. First, no, no, that was Hodgson. When did Fogarty do his um, long term injury? It was in the preseason. It's in the preseason. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, a full preseason together. That's exciting. Then you've got Xavier Savage as well, a full preseason uh, with that spine. The only question mark I have is the nine roll as well. Mm. Similar situation to the Broncos. I guess the, the positive for the Raiders though is, is Wolford's a genuine nine. Like that's his position. But in saying that, is he the you know, top four tier nine? He could become that. There's no, you know, he played some great games last year, but that's the only question mark. Now, We've been told that Danny Levi has been signed by the Raiders. He has, yeah. He has. Yeah, we, we missed that last week in the transfer talk. Levi has come in. Now, he's good depth, but I don't see him being the week-in, week-out nine. I think that, you know, he's been at quite a few clubs and probably unable to cement that spot. But great, he's a great signing if an injury, if, if something goes down for the nine. I wonder who this Adrian Trevelyan guy is. He's a Queensland hooker. Mm. Um, come through sort of the grades, played a bit, a bit of reserve grade the last couple of years. Got a start or two, might have been early on last season, and did his ACL. I think he hurt his shoulder as well, the poor bugger. Mm. Um, 
another one who, you know, he's younger, so there, there's time to you know get K's in his legs then at a level. A solid footballer. I don't think he's going to set the world alight. Um, mm. Another great one for depth, <coughs> but again, not. I would be surprised if he was a starting hooker for us. The beauty of this Raiders side is that come round one, you know what the spine's going to be. You go back to round one last year, Chance was at fullback, Brad Schneider was at halfback, Josh Hodgson was at nine. So that's how they spent their preseason, knowing that Fogarty wasn't going to be there. Hodgson was going to be the main guy. Got to remember, as you said, um, the halfback, he only came in halfway through the year, as did Zach Wolford, who was the starting nine. nine. You now get a full preseason with all these guys, with Xavier Savage also at fullback. Um, when you consider all the things that Canberra has had to overcome that I think we don't take into consideration a lot of the time, to finish eighth, it wasn't a bad knock. It was a massive knock. I yeah. mean, we spoke about it quite a bit, but for, for everything they went through, like including the off-field stuff, all that drama, plus the injuries, plus the spine being different, plus them openly saying they're bringing in young talent to develop them, the Raiders for me are super exciting. I mean, like put it this way, if Parramatta come out in round one and Josh Hodgson is out for the season... They're in, they're in trouble all of a sudden yeah. for me. And yeah. that's the position the Raiders found themselves in without mm. their halfback as well. It's so to me, like, not only that, they lost their Mitchell Moses as well. Imagine yeah. if the Eels lost fucking... Yeah, 100%. Jesus. There. So what the Raiders achieved last year was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And, like, the run they went on at the back end of the year, I think, is a sign of what they can be. It really is what they can be because they had basically all of their players on the field at that point. Um it's exciting as well from a squad perspective long term. Totrich is still really young. Like he's still only like 23 or something like that, which is crazy to think. You've got Seb Chris, relatively young. Tomoko, relatively young. Jordan Rapata, yes, he's aging, um, but he's still got some quality footy in him. On top of that, when you look at their backs, Albert Hopawadi, Harley Smith-Shields, who is a very talented young fella. You've got, um, you've got Croker there as well. It keeps of experience. You've got Valamai. So like... Depth-wise in the backs, they're absolutely stacked. Stacked so much that you could, you know, you've got Croker sitting there and Rapana, if he's, he's, he needs a rest or whatever, you'll bring someone in. You've got Xavier Savage, who obviously, um, I think he came leaps and bounds. I don't know, I didn't think he was ready for fullback last year. And to be honest, I, I think I still agree with that sentiment that I don't know if he was ready for fullback last year. But looking long-term like Ricky was, I think it was the best thing for the club to put him there. Mm now that he has shown that he's improved so much over the year. He had to learn hard lessons at one point or another. Hopefully he learned a lot of them last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he did. I think towards the end of the year, like obviously he still had one or two things. He's a rookie. He's going to have that. Yeah. But I think if you go and watch the start of him playing fullback at the start of the year and then the way he played fullback by the end of the year, I think you absolutely saw yep. improvement in the fullback play. And the, the silver lining to any sort of long-term injury and key injuries to sides is um, just getting runs in... in into the legs of your depth players. So the Raiders last year when they didn't have Fogarty the first half of the season, Matty Frawley came in and was excellent as just that controlling halfback with a solid kicking game. Brad Schneider played the first few yeah. games of the season, so they've <coughs> got games in their legs. Um, really, the same thing with the hookers. I know Josh Hodgson's gone now, but I said as a result of the Hodgson injury, Zach Wolford got a lot of game time once he sort of came into the fray. Tommy Starling got some bigger minutes. So all these things looking a year further down the track, it's got to pay dividends. Absolutely. And you look at their depth. They've, they've got five halves. They've got arguably four, uh, not arguably, but they've got four hookers. Like these key positions are stacked with depth. Oh Yeah, the Raiders for me are super, super exciting. Um, looking at their forward pack, 
Look, if if you want it to be super negative, maybe. Look, is, is Papali'i towards the end of his career? Again, like, he still played incredible at the World Cup. I'm just trying to nitpick here and look at the potential positive downsides. Um, Elliot Whitehead, even though he was also incredible in the World Cup, is he towards the end of his career? I, I'm not sure. Again, these are just... These are just the negative questions you have to answer because seasons, you don't know what's going to happen. And I would agree with you as well, Guru. Who will play 13 for them? Who will play 13? I think, as Timmy said, I don't think Trey Mooney's going to be ready round one. But I think that, I think as you said, maybe round seven, round eight, he could be the guy. I reckon he's a really good shout for Rookie of the Year. Trey Mooney? Yeah. Wow, well, it's an early Rookie of the Year shout. Played one game last year, so he, he fits the criteria and everything. Would you have him thereabouts? Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. He, he just needs an opportunity in this team. And I, I think he'll be in the 17 regardless. But if he lands in the 13, as Tim said, in the first two months or so, I'd be backing him in for a rookie. He's, he's, he's an exciting player too. Like, just the way he plays catches the eye. Yeah. Like, there's the aggression. He's in your face. No backward step. And yeah. So, it's, it's easy to see. Like, he gets viewed more than, say, like a, a grinder or whatever, even though he's got that kind of stuff in his game. Um, yeah, so the only nitpicks for me is like who's going to be the 13, number nine, Ken Wolford's kick on, and then, you know, maybe in key positions do they have older players. That's a good thing. It's more just me being pessimistic. But outside of that, this is a top eight side for me. What's your thoughts on, on how and Naira as the potential 13? Because it's a little bit similar to probably talking about TPJ where you're like, well, yeah, probably better on the edge, but like... CHN is such a real, such a good ball player. He could be that link man for us. We're struggling to get enough minutes into him because of how much depth there is in the pack. We've got Hutto and Elliot Whitehead on the edges who are 80-minute men. So maybe getting minutes into Corey is by putting him at lock, Harry Naira, that is. Do you like that or not? I, I do on paper. Like I, I mean, I think we called for a bit ago when they refused to play Adam Elliott there. We're like, Hutterweer and I has got the best ball playing yeah. out of all the forwards, easily. It's like, just the obvious one we're sort of overlooking, yeah. maybe. I don't know. And that's, and, but when, I, when it, there's an obvious player that doesn't get a start there, there must be a reason. Like, maybe he struggles with structure. Like, maybe he struggles with being forced to get to certain points on the field um, because he is... The perfect 13. Yeah. Big, strong, has an offload, uh, good footwork. Footwork through the middle. Oh, like, like, it so makes sense. It makes heaps of sense. Maybe it's the work rate that he struggles with because that's a big component that people don't realise. Like, mm. you're almost in a fucking washing machine in the middle there. He's so, always had a pretty good motor on him, though. Like, yeah. even when playing on the edge, he, a lot of 80-minute games where he'll notch up 45 tackles and 15 or so runs. I, I yep. know adding the ball playing, you sort of got to get there every ruck, but maybe you're makes right. sense. Maybe you're right, yeah. I mean, look, if, if he starts there and kills it, I will not be surprised at all. Mm. Like, will not be. it's just more along the lines of, like, for how many years now have the Raiders been looking for a 13 and they just don't put him there? Like, just yeah. do not do it. Isn't he a great guy to have on your side? Like, if Hudson or Elliott went down... And Corey came in and played a better game than then. It wouldn't surprise me. Mm. Like he's got that sort of potential. Absolutely. I would still go with Elliot and Hudson. But like when you have a look through other teams in this competition, they're back rowers. They kill for a Corey. Oh, he's so dangerous. Like there's even last year there were games where he just broke it open, just yeah. broke the game open. So yeah, really like it's so exciting for the Raiders because it's not only a perfect mixture of age and youth, but They've got these guys all humming. They've gotten past the negative off-field stuff, whatever. They ended the season on a high as well. So, like, the positive is, is they're coming in confident that in rather than, like, petering out and being worried about, oh, are we going to go into the new season? Very, very exciting time. And the depth is crazy. Like, as you said, 
Schneider has already played six or seven NRL games or five or whatever. I actually thought he was pretty good when he played. Like, obviously, when they brought in an older, experienced one in um, in Fawley, it seemed to work better. But Schneider, I think, has a ton of potential. Uh, yeah, I'm, I think it's, ex- like, super exciting times for the Raiders. I really do. Like, even guys like Albert Hopperwhite sitting in the backs. Like, Albert Hopperwhite is a gun. A gun. He's a big, strong ball runner. Harley Smith Shield, uh, Shields, again, a gun. So... Yeah, really, really exciting times. Boys, do we have top eight Raiders? I think they should be. Yeah, yeah. I think five to eight is, would be the expectation. Yeah, I think top eight. Yeah, I've got I've got Raiders like kind of at the at the bottom of the my little bracket here of the top six and kind of at the top of the seventh to tenth. I reckon they'll be in the mix there with maybe like Storm Cowboys at the top end and then equal to them maybe Brisbane on top of the improving teams like the Doggies. I've got them around just the bottom of the eight. There's no reason they shouldn't. They made the finals last year with pretty much the same squad. It's very settled, so yeah, I reckon they should definitely make the finals. I also think it'll be an interesting year for Jack Whiten. I mean, he finishes this year as a kangaroo centre and one of their best players at the World Cup. If Turbo's fit next year, he walks straight back into the Blues team, which then, in my opinion, probably Jack's, d- drops Jack back 14. to the bench. Yeah. But they ran with two hookers next year. If Freddie wants to do that again, all of a sudden Jack could be under, as crazy as it sounds, he could be under a little bit of pressure to get into that side. Well, remember last year I said they should they just carry him as a forward. Just carry him as an extra forward, yes. Like, you yeah. got it. he has to be in your fucking... I don't care how you get him in there. Like, he just... I know he's not the as big as big front rowers, but tell me he wasn't taking contact the way front rowers are taking contact in the Australian. But, it, mate, if, if I was... Um Ricky Stewart's side of the season, I'd be sitting down with Jack and going, why can't you be the Blues 5-8? I've been making yeah, that plays challenge. Plays so well, yeah. but, you know, it's a, it's a good Force challenge. Force Brad Fittler's hand. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, like everyone, everyone, like, obviously, Jerome Lewis got it, but everyone's talking Matt Burton. You've got a Dalian medalist, a Clive Churchill medalist at 5'8 here. Mm. Yeah, it's a exciting year for, for Jackie Boy. Exciting year. I just, I love watching him play now. Like, he's, he's honestly become one of my favourites, especially after watching him play for Australia. And the way he played in game one for New South Wales was outstanding. Could you imagine if he did land at 5'8 for the Blues, that, that left edge would be Whiten, Luttrell, Adokar. Craziness. <laughs> I, I don't think there's a world where Luwa loses that spot, but I, yeah. Oh, I, I don't think there is either, but Jack's a classy enough player to tr- try and force it. If they lose I game kind one of or like, something or whatever. I like just the, just, I just want to go out there rip and tear. Yeah. Just don't – you don't need to think, bro. Just do what you do, which is fucking rip and tear. I know he got COVID last year and he didn't get picked for game three, but Freddie still undoubtedly loves him. He oh, always sure. he always has. I well, I don't see a, a series where Jackie Wine's not in it this year. Well, in Freddie's – like everyone, you know, likes to have a crack at Freddie for not picking him game three. But everyone forgets that when he initially picked Jack White in a couple of years before, everyone was like, what the f-? – like when Latrell got dropped, Jackie White and kept his spot, everyone tore Brad Fittler to shreds. So if you're going to have a crack at Freddie for not picking him game three, you've got to give him the respect. He believed in Jackie Whiten when no one else believed in Jackie well, Whiten. I remember a little story. At the Blues, we got all these water, like personalised water bottles made up for all the players that could make it. And I remember we got him in. This is before Jack Whiten debuted. And Jack Whiten's name was on a water bottle. And me and my co-workers looked at each other like, why, why have they made this one? And then he got picked a couple of weeks later and, ne- and literally never looked back. Yeah, it's crazy. Like Freddie, you're right. Freddie believed in him before everyone else. Exactly, did. and so and, and also, like it's easy to say in hindsight you should have picked Jackie Whiten on the like the bench or or whatever. But like at the time, we would we were all discussing like they need an extra big body. Yeah. Talakai had just come off crazy form. Like 
to be clear, I still think it was a mistake to not pick Jackie White. And I had him on my bench for New South Wales. But I think we, it, like as time goes by, everyone just it's so easy just to blame Freddie's selections. Yeah. And they forget what was actually happening at the time. Talakai was beast-moding it, like absolutely beast-moding it. And Jackie White had just come back from fucking COVID. So very exciting year for Jackie White. I hope I haven't just jinxed Josh Adokar by assuming he'll be on the left wing. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I you? said it, I thought about it and went, oh... How dare you? That is that is one that is one selection where you can go. Even though you can understand what Freddie was thinking with the two big ball running uh, wingers that could make heaps of meters, that's one where you could say I think Freddie and the selection panel got it wrong. Like just clear clear cut. He'd been a part of New South Wales Raiders. He'd won a bunch of uh, Origin series. That was probably the wrong call. So does he tell Daniel Tupin next year he's dropped? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah. Like unfortunately, and and I'm honestly the biggest Tupo fan. Like, I think he's the most underrated winger in the last 10 to 15 years, that he's that good. But unfortunately, the Fox is arguably one of the best wingers we've ever seen. And he brings something different to To'o, whereas like Tupo and To'o, even though they're very different players, they're meter eaters, like big, big meter eaters. Whereas Fox is a fucking game breaker. Yeah, I, I know, I know based off the World Cup and everything, I'm still not convinced he's a certain... I also think that if Suoliti starts this season well... That's the tough one. That's the tough... I, I don't think Fox is a certainty by any means. I, I think there could be a little bit more outrage to come. Suoliti is the interesting one. How do you fucking navigate those waters? Like, seriously, you're not getting rid of To'o. Like, To'o... And To'o can play both sides as well. So it... Fuck, Suoliti in a Blues jersey, eh? Oh. That's a scary, scary sight. And then you've got, could you imagine a backline? Oh my God. With To'o, Trell, Trebojevic, and Suoliti, like the size and strength. Yeah. Like oh. it might be the strongest backline in history of, of rugby league. And, like, and, and we could genuinely see a situation where Fox doesn't play Origin, but is selected in the Kangaroo. I wouldn't be surprised if Mal, I, I think Mal will go back to him. Yeah, I, I, me personally, I would always go the Fox because of the intangible that he brings. Like, mm. put it, if he comes back and he plays and he, and he struggles and doesn't play well, then you've got a reason to say, like, yeah. okay, you know, you were given opportunity. Mm. But Fox is like, he, he, is, he brings this special energy, and we spoke about it before the camp before, that you simply cannot replace. You can spend as much money on it as you want. You can pretend about all this science and this and that and this training. But there's something special about the Fox that he brings people together. And that's what Origin's all about, is coming together. It's a larrikins game at the end of the day. I mean, our, perfect. our yeah. biggest stars are our rogues. Yeah. Like your Joeys and all that kind of stuff. Alfie. Like, that, that's, that's who... That's where the magic lies, is in the rogues' palm. It doesn't lie in the fucking <laughs> battler. It lies in the fucking rogues' palm. Um, but anyway, look, is it too early to talk about Origin? Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um Okay, yeah, any rate Raiders, we all agree, top eight, in my opinion. Is it a devastating year if they don't make the eight? No, only because of all the improvement of the other sides around it, but it is a disappointing year if they don't make the eight, in my opinion. I, I would say, put it this way, on paper, I would have the Broncos just a bit ahead of them on paper, but there's a world where, but I'm probably more sure that the Raiders will hang around the like six to 10 mark Whereas the Broncos, again, it's that off-field, whatever is going on, that really, really worries me. If that is not existent, the Broncos really should be a top six side. So very excited for the Raiders. Yeah, I, 
the pessimistic side of me, half glass full, you have in the past gone well. <laughs> And then it just falls off a cliff. We have, but I feel like we've gotten rid of that shit out of it. Like th- so that, do that I. That was yeah. very what pre maybe 2016, 2015, for about ten years. Before it was like top eight out, top eight yeah. out. I yeah. think we've gotten that out of our system. Hope so. I think last year the fact that you just made the eight still kind of proves that you can fight and hang in yeah. there rather than just like fall off. Um, now onto the manly seagulls. Tom Dravojevic next. Thanks. Next, next team. <laughs> <laughs> um, Manly Seagulls. They're just, they're such an interesting squad because seriously, like, you look at it on paper and you'd go, like, is it a top four squad on paper compared to the other squads? Like, obviously, the Tom Travojevic factor is, is big. You'd say probably not, but... We've never seen anything like Tom Travojevic outside of like maybe Joey's impact on the Knights. And it's he is truly the wild card of the NRL. Like if he fires, they could win a premiership. If he doesn't, they could literally come 12th. And I've never, I've never experienced anything like this. That's what this guy brings to a team. Um, you look at their forward pack, on, when they're all re- running red hot, you've got Olakawatu, who's, who's can be a, a form back rower. You've got um, Josh Alloy gets through a lot of work. Kepi has some great moments. Paseca seemed like he was finding his feet in, in regards to what he could bring to a team. But is it like a forward pack compared to the, top, the tippity top, like a, a Panthers pack? You know, probably not. But they do have this like special kind of way of getting shit done. Uh, a new coach in Anthony Seabold, maybe it's the, exactly what they needed to freshen up. But there's a lot of questions around Manly for me. Yeah, and I think the sentence stood out for me there was a special way of getting shit done. Mm. That's Desi. Yeah. That's always <laughs> been Desi. So that's that's my only worry with this. But I also, mate, I have a look at like all the coaching staff that they've put together and everything. It is a pretty impressive outfit. And as you said off the top, as much as you were J&R, Tom Travoyevich, like it starts and it finishes there. Literally. If he, if he is just on and he is playing, like I'm having a look at this forward pack and you know, I've, I've, I've got a star next to guys that I think will definitely be in the pack and I've only got about five stars there. I'm not really sure how it's going to look realistically. I'm not sure what that left edge is going to look like. You've obviously got Josh Schuster. He won't be a back rower this year. He'll be in at 5'8 on that left edge. I think you'll see DCE be like he's already pretty ball dominant. I think you'll see him take even more responsibility. Even more. I think Holy. so. Is that what you two are anticipating? Or? He has to. With He's got um, Schuster coming in who hasn't what, played 5'8 since junior days and he loses Kieran Foreman, one of the most experienced halves in the NRL. Yep. Chez has to take an even bigger I know role. the only, only thing I, sometimes I feel with Ches less is more you know like for example that famous origin win like he gave Munster the reins in regards to his job was really to set Munster up to get where he needed to be I, I would I don't I understand what you're saying like Schuster's a rookie for sure you can't just expect him to fucking but I would be hoping that it's more about how do I make Schuster the weapon like focus on making Schuster the tip of the spear rather than DC having to get through a bunch of different work um, but I, I agree. Like chances are, he's got probably going to take an even more hands-on. Like for even like last year when he when he allowed foreign, when there was a bit more balance between the two, I thought they played better footy. Yep. Um, but I, I I agree with you in regards. So I think the reality is, Schuster's is a rookie. DC's probably going to handle the ball a bit more. And the other thing on that, it, they're probably. I don't think Schuster, like he's a big boy. I don't think he'll play that sort of. Jack White and sweeping 5'8 role. Mm. But 
DCE's going to have to take over that classic first receiver both sides of the ruck. Like, and that's why I think Guru's on the money where he, he will take up more ball. And that doesn't mean he can't unleash Schust with more ball. It's just he'll be the first receiver anytime they're going anywhere. Yeah, that, uh, I mean, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, when we look at the back line, you've got Brad Parker, Tui Pilotu, who had a great most of the year last year. Saab, we know how good he can be. Harper, um, Bunga, Garrick, Travojevic, Kula. It's it's a good back line. Is it top tier, do you think? Obviously, with Tom Travojevic it is, but you know when you're, we're talking about squad. Yeah, with, with Turbo it is. But when you have a look at the rest of the back line, I don't think so. I mean, if they can get the very best out of Kohler, oh, I, I still think he's got so much more to offer than what we've seen. He's so good defensively. He's a weapon in defence. Yeah, which is yeah. like you don't usually associate. Like, it's not very often you see a guy who's the quickest guy on the field come in and, oh, fuck, he's the best defender as well yeah, as far as outside backs go. He's a really good defender. Very good combination there. Um, Ruben Garrick and Saab, you know what you're going to get there. It's the other centre spot between Parker, Harper, these sort of guys. Whoever lands that. I, I, I think outside backs-wise, they're okay. Mm. I think with Turbo, they're okay. Mate, I, the biggest worry for me, and it's crazy to say this, but I think it's so important in the modern game, replacing Dylan Walker at 14. Mm. I look through that squad and I just – I don't see anyone that can come off the bench and have the impact that Walker did. Yeah, mate, the closest one I can see is, is, is probably Carl Lawton. Yeah. He's a completely different I was about to say Lawton, one. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 14 is going to be hard to replace. Um, in regards to the back, yeah, I reckon it's, it's a good – Backs, but I, don't, I wouldn't say it's like a top four. It's a pass. It, you know, it's a pass. Tom Travojevic obviously takes it into top, you know, ones if he plays as good as he can. Um, yeah, I agree. The 14 role is going to be really interesting. They relied heavily on Dylan Walker to kind of bring energy into the game. Um, you know, looking at the halves, depth-wise, I guess it, this would be this to say with any team, but if DC goes down, you've literally got two rookies there. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, let's say you look at the Broncos, like, Madden is still a, a rookie, but he's got a bit of footy under his belt to a degree. Um, whereas, like, yeah, DCE, it just... I mean, it's like the... I mean, actually, it's probably worse than even the Dragon situation where at least at the Dragons, Sullivan and Amon have both played a bit of NRL now, whereas right now, like, Schuster hasn't played any 5-8 really except for one game, and Weeks has only played one game off the bench. Yeah, a sh- well... Cooper Johns is there on a train and trial as yeah, well. That's so true. he's another guy that adds a little bit of depth. But, yeah, I mean, mate, at the end of the day, this team, the way that they structure their salary cap, all their money is in three or four players. And I think if one of them goes down, they find themselves in trouble. Yeah, and which is common for nearly any side. Yeah, exactly. Really. Right. Like, yeah. if Reynolds goes down for the Broncos, like, fucking... But I think this team in particular, they could go from a top four side to losing one of those guys and going to free fall. Mm. Do we think Siebes... He's going to get the boys up. If he gets his full back up, he'll be right. What do you reckon, Timmy? I have no idea. But uh, as long as Tommy Turbo's fit, you're sort of saying, like, could be, if he doesn't fire, they could be a team that finished 12th or something. Like, if Tommy Turbo's fit, he will fire, and I think Manly will fire too. I know he did play the early part of this season and didn't exactly set the world alight. Mm. But we even we talk about the back line of, look at Saab and Garrick, Tui Pilotu. It's a solid back line without, again, setting the world alight. But when Tommy's on, it doesn't matter at all. We saw yeah. two years ago. I know that that 2021 season was a bit of an anomaly with point scoring and new rules brought in and that. But, like, Saab and Garrick scored a million tries yeah. between each other. And Tom did it at uh, origin level too. Exactly. Yeah. 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 All because Tommy Turbo was just 
unbelievable. And they'll continue to do the same this season as long as Tommy Turbo fires. So uh, I, I think they'll be fine. In terms of seeds and what he gets out of them, and has there been any lingering effects of Jersey Gate at the back end of last year? I honestly have no idea. Mm. It, one of the fascinating storylines heading into round one, like, have, are, they, are they on the same page? I will say, last half full, if Schuster reaches his potential for oh. second year, all of a sudden they go to, oh, rookie six to um, Schuster and DC are up there with the best halves pairing in the competition, period, bar none. Like, you know, DC, obviously, he's won comps, he's won origin, we know how good he is. Schuster's potential, big body, crazy soft hands. You, you, could, you could make an argument that if he hits his straps this year, they're a top four pair, halves mm. pairing. Like as in they're genuinely, if you're ranking the top five halves pairing, they're sitting at like two, three, four around that area, which is exciting for Manly. What do you got there, Manny? Oh no, I was just gonna, I was just gonna throw in that like, in the Des Hasley years. So we're talking about Tommy Tommy Turbo, they've had four Des Hasley years, right? <clears throat> Tommy plays seven games for two of them. They miss the finals. Tommy plays twelve games one one year. They come six. Plays eighteen games next year. They come. They come fourth. So just because Tommy Turbo, and I'm happy to be proven wrong, but just because Tommy Turbo puts this team into eliteness, can you can you define them as a top eight team? Because without him, they've proven that they're really not. Mm. Can you call this squad a top eight squad? Yeah, like overall, because we're talking about depth, we're talking about, you know, we're not just talking about the top 17 that runs out there every week and hopefully goes through. Yeah, it's a great point, Matty. It's a great point. I mean, it's I guess it's as we said, like if they if Tommy plays, they are. If, if he doesn't, they're not. Yeah, and I, I think they are. I think what what Matty just did then is applying a lot of common sense. Mm. I just don't think they're in that situation. Mm. They're the exception to most rules, just because this guy is that fucking good. Yeah. I, I also think the other thing that I think it'll be interesting is, you know, I was just having a look. Um, DCA, he kicked for nine thousand meters last year. Mm. Who's the next best kicker in this team? DCA yeah. gets tackled on last. Who are we looking at? Are we looking at Schuster? Are we looking at Lachlan Croker? Good point. And that like game, game plans will literally be, I want you rushing yeah, this you, year. You just, you murder DCA on every last tackle. Yeah. Dylan that, Walker could even kick worry. at times, like when he had to, obviously yeah. Kieran Foran. So, so the question is, can Schuster kick? Can Schuster kick? Well, I was, I was uh, yeah. DCA kicked for 9,000. How much do you reckon um, Lachlan Croker kicked for? Is that hooker, for example? Like, uh, 900. 900. Across the entire season. Yeah. So that's a huge question mark for me, especially if one of them does go down. Mm. Comes very interesting. And we know how important the kicking game is. And credit to DCA. I understand why he kicks so much. He's got one of the best kicking games in the game, and he was last year, but it does, be, it does put a lot of pressure on an ageing DCA. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, look, it's 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 almost a bit boring, guys, and I think all Manly fans kind of agree. Like it's all it all hinges on Tom Dravojevic. Um The good thing is you've got Ruben Garrick for a long period of time. Kohler is is a gun coming through. Um, Saab again, we know how good Saab can be. Tuipolotu had a good year last year, so there's a lot of good signs at Manly. It's just it's just so hard when you have this yeah. enigma of a player to like get a, a handle on what's going on, and then add in everything that happened last year. It's just really hard. Like even like guys like Sipley, Paseca, Kepi, like I really rate these guys. Like when they're on, they're really good forwards. Paseca's the big one, I think, that if he can reach his potential this year, 
he'll make a huge difference. I, I also think, and it's not you know it's not a direct um, correlation, but like we obviously watch a lot of. Um, Super coach and scores and how it correlates with coaches. I found that under Des, Jake Troyvitz's role changed a lot over the last few years. I, I'm, I, I hope that he can get back to what he was a couple of years ago. Does he stay 13 or do you think he moves? I think row? so, but I think he, like last few years, he became very much just a link man. And I think he's so much more than that. Mm. Yeah. It'll be interesting because, like, Sieves love a completely different game plan. Completely different. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how that affects Jake Troyvitz. I always, I've always been on the mind, like, People know Jake Troy, which is this like defense machine now and like gets through all this work. And he is that for sure. Like there's no, he's a great defensive player. But if you go back and watch his early career, he was a gun ball player, good footwork, really good line runner, like creating holes for everyone else. And I wonder whether like, is there a way to get that part back into it like not he's still got it in his game is there a system that can be built around that but it's sort of like uh, i don't know what you two think but i i from watching jade for the last few years it's like he's part of a training run every time mm. like he they he's he's playing the same role on every single play i just think he's got so much more to offer with him linking up with these other forwards and he's whatnot. almost like too loyal to the coach's game plan yes Instead of just going, it was almost like he was a cone out on the field that just did the same role every single time, mm. and it never changed. I, as you said, early part of his career, I think he had so much more to offer, and hopefully, we can see that from Sieves again. And as you see, like he, you mentioned, Guru, he's just a link man now, Manly, and the difference between him as a link man and Cam Murray or Isaiah, yo, he plays so early and just catches and just gives, catches and gives. Maybe you say, mate. Don't be afraid to dig into the line like Murray and Yoda. Yep. If you see a little opportunity, don't don't be fra- afraid to take someone with you. Dig in and look for the tip on or the short wall back on the inside to Tommy Turbo, which we've seen him do for years, but it's really probably gone off the ball a little bit in recent seasons. Just back yourself to be a not a chief playmaker, but have a greater role. Yeah, it's um, even like like take the shackles off him a little bit, like furthering what you're saying, like back yourself, but like say like mate. Have some fun, like yeah. just just play a bit of footy. Like don't don't be so loyal to the game plan because that's what he is. Like he's like whatever the coach tells me to do, I'm going to do it. Which is why we absolutely love Jake Dvorovic. But also, it's like there's a great footy mind in there. Let's rely. You know, sometimes coaches can be too structured and they take away all the brilliant frills that can be on players. Um, maybe they need to say to Jakey, mate, just have some fun. Just go out and if you see it, if you want to get to a certain point in the field, because, you know, we all know DC needs some help in that spine at the moment because obviously Schuster is a rookie. He's a yeah. rookie and then he's obviously got, at number nine, he's got Croker who is this great service dummy half, but, you know, he's not a creative dummy half. Um, That's right. I feel like Jake should be what Glenn Stewart was 10 years ago. Yeah. Where he's like an active part of their game plan and, you know, setting out what they're doing. And I just I just feel like at the moment he's he's just a role player and he's so much more than that. Mm. Um, some good smokies to look at. Ethan Bullimore, I thought he had some good impact when he came to the club. Uh, Sipley, I think he's got a bunch of potential. Zach Fulton, I thought he had a good good debut. Really suit, like aggressive. I think Kepi's got a lot in him as well. I, I really like there's been games where he's been arguably the best forward on the field. Um so, yeah, the, the most exciting thing, though, for Manly fans, it's almost took a bit of a sour note because he couldn't get on the bench or even on the edge. Um, but it's Schuster. It's a guy like Schuster. Like, that is exciting. If, if you get him close to his best, it, ch- it changes everything for the club. Like, A, it takes the pressure off the fact that they got rid of foreign. B, tell me any club that wouldn't kill to get their hands on a guy like Schuster. Like... This guy's skill set is crazy. It's just about a matter of 
realizing that and making sure he's he's got enough pressure on him to not just rely on his skill set. He needs to put the work in. The best in. thing about the upside to Schuster at five eight is I find with a lot of uh, five eights that come in and, and they kill it for a couple of seasons, but you can be a bit one dimensional. You know, you might have a big right foot step or you might have a good cutout ball and. Teams will work you out over time. Mm. For this season in particular, Schuster going as a big-bodied, offloading, ball-playing forward, teams aren't going to have a clue how to defend this bloke properly yeah. if, if he hits his straps and slots into the role as we're sort of hoping that he will do. So he could be a real wild card. Like, and I think of players like Blake Austin, who was great at the Raiders for a few years, and then they worked out his, you know, a lot of his games, his right foot step, and they learned to shut it down. Josh Reynolds, quite similar at the Doggies for a couple of years there. Uh, it's happened to a stack of different players, and they have to find ways to evolve their game. But Schuster's such a wild card this season at 5'8", that I said, if he hits his straps, this team with Tommy Turbo and DC... Oof. Scary stuff. I think the other one that, you know, he only played one game last year, but young um, Zach Fulton. He played his first game of first grade and went toe-to-toe with Maria Hargraves. Oh, craziness. Craziness. Lunatic, love it. like. But that's what you want in your footy side. Yeah. Just quickly back on Schuster. Um, what's interesting about a guy like Schuster is because he's such a big body. Like, okay, a Blake Austin is, is interesting or a Josh Reynolds. Like, they have their left or their right foot step mm. and eventually you work it out. But with a guy like Schuster, it's like you, can, you can't work it out because he's so fucking big. Yeah. If, if he wants to run at you like a second rower, he'll run at you like a second rower. So... He's got all the options. Like he's got hands as soft as any half in the comp. He's got good footwork, plus he's a back rower. So even if you are prepared, like let's say you get all the right structures around him, you're going to have to make a one-on-one tackle him at some stage. And at some stage, he's going to, he's, you are going to make the wrong decision, whether it's fall for his dummy, jam him when you shouldn't, or get bumped by him. Whereas like a lot of halves that are a ball running six, like for example, even like a Jackie Whiten, like, you know to a degree you're going to have to try to handle his physicality, which is almost impossible. That's why he's so good. He's not going to be the craziest ball player, but it's going to be good. Um, whereas Schuster, like, he can literally throw a cutout ball and be looking straight you dead <laughs> in the eye. Mm. He just, as I said, the potential this kid has, it's been a while since we've seen a guy like this. It's about finding. It's about making that potential, though. It just you can have all the potential in the world, and it just might not even be a thing. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's just he's just got to. Oh, it sounds so simple. I think he's just got to make the right choices. Mm. And it does sound so easy and so <laughs> simple. But sometimes when you're, you know, and you like, I remember when Mitch Moses started and he first came in with the Tigers, he was so skillful oh. and he had dominated junior comps for so long that, you know, in a play in. You know, SG ball and reserve grade where he probably didn't have to go for the three-man cutout. He could and he'd get yeah. away with it. Josh Schuster, like watching him coming through the grades, he's he's just been taking the piss for the last few years. Yeah. You know, because he's been that good. All of a sudden you get into first grade and you've got to pull the right strings at the right moment, which is where Kieran Forum was just the king of it. Yeah. Going to be interesting. So, uh, very interesting, yeah. It, it, it'll be – it's like – if he doesn't go on to be one of the better players in the NRL, it'll be one of the, the, the typical stories of what if, should have, could have, would have. Because they're one of those teams that, you know, if it's not working out with him on the left edge, if balls are going to the ground and everything, all of a sudden, a Cooper Johns looks appealing because yeah. you just know what you're going to get. Yep. You just know that you're going to get the ball to turbo when he needs to get the ball clean. And, you, you know, you've got DCE there that yep. can take a, a, a strong role. But I'm back in Schuster and I really, really hope he does – you know, if it doesn't work at Manly, send him to one of the top tier clubs on a minimum contract. Watch him absolutely thrive, most likely anyway. Um, 
Now, uh, before we get to the Rabbitohs, make sure to grab some merch from bloke.shop. We've got bloke party shirts, brown, white, yellow. They are absolutely fantastic. Really nice, soft, stretchy material, guys. We've got bloke boardies, thongs, cooler bags, hats, everything on bloke.shop. It is perfect for Christmas or summer. Perfect, high-quality kit that looks really good. Plus, you get a free podcast with it if you enjoy the podcast. So, or you get some mates to buy a present with, or you want to buy a present for your dad. Trust me, grab him some bloke kit. He'll absolutely love you for it. Um, also, make sure to grab a case of bloke in a bar from your local. We're in every single celebration. Supporters liquor, IJ plus liquor, and Bottle O New South Wales RCT plus hundreds. We're in every single celebration superstore in Queensland, hundreds of store across Queensland. Head to our website. We've got a store locator. It's a beautiful beer. It's a beer. It's Aussie spirit in a can, guys. Beer for blokes that turn up for their family, mates, and good times. Now, let's get to the Rabbitohs. What's this number? Seven? Let's get to the Rabbitohs. Um, heading into this season, I look at their squad and I say... They probably should – I mean, it's hard to say they should go better because they, they nearly made the grand final. Um, but they haven't lost much, and their players in key positions have got more experience. Um, you know, you could even argue Cody Walker had a relatively quiet year last year. I'm excited with this um, Rabideau squad. Uh, also, Coach gets another year under his belt. Dimitro gets another year under his belt. Tavita Totola gets a year older, more experience. Guys like Host get more experience. Cam Murray was outstanding in the World Cup. Jai Arrow was good last year. Uh, Keon was outstanding. You know, I'm excited. Lockie Elias for me is really exciting for this season. What do you reckon, boys? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a boring chart because South Sydney don't change all that much. But I'm still super excited about them heading into next year. For me, mate, biggest talking point, and, you know, Matty pointed out to me the other day, Latrell Mitchell, his season last year was so disrupted. Yeah. Like, it, it couldn't have gone worse as far as, a, you know, preparation-wise and whatnot. Uh, he comes into this confident as all hell off the back of that World Cup, uh, coming into this with a full preseason, ready to go. I mean, the, the, the confidence that he finished last season with, you, you would think that it all went perfect for him throughout the year. Yeah. It was the complete opposite. Like, he, he, he left for 10 weeks, Matty? Wow, 12. 12. 12. Like... For him to come back in the form that he was in, for a guy that people are constantly telling me he's not fit enough, look what he did last year without a fucking preseason. Mm. Like, I, I think he is... He's going to go to, to another level in 2023, I think. Mm. Yeah, Latrell Mitchell. It's, it's like he's almost in his own stratosphere at the moment where you're like, yeah, yeah of course, like Latrell Mitchell would, you know, but in reality, his last three years have been so disrupted with injury, suspension, contract negotiations... You know, it really is one of the first preseasons he's going into completely mind-free, body-free after a good World Cup campaign. And so, like, when you when you sit back and you go, we haven't even seen the, the, the tippity-top of Latrell Mitchell, you go, fuck. <laughs> he's only 25 years old. Like, he's still got so much footy left in him. He's still got so many more preseasons to get his body right. Um, what do you reckon about the Rabbitohs, Timmy? Yeah, I mean, just on Latrell, firstly, he, you're right, we're, we're just scratching the surface because he is playing, a, I suppose, a relatively new position for him still. And he was almost untouchable at the back end of last season. But at the same time, when you look at it technically, you know, things like the, the prelim final where there was a couple of times where he's caught out of position, it might have been uh, on kicks the week before, but 
he's only going to get so much better at fullback. He's he's going to find better opportunities to inject himself into attacking positions. So while he was unstoppable last year in attack at the very least, he's only going to get better. Mm. So in terms of the bunnies as an entire squad, you then go, it's almost the exact same. And it, the key's probably Lockie Ilias in that he's now got that year of year behind him. He has finals experience. He delivered. So, you know, you'd be looking into the season pretty optimistic on if you're a Bunnies fan. Well, look at this. Forward. This this is a potential starting forward back. Tommy Burgess at 8, Totola at 10, Kalamatangi at 11, Jaira at 12, Cam Murray at 13. Like, that's a bloody good forward pack. Like, it, which is, it just, it's a credit to Rabbitohs as a club because three years ago, I was saying this forward pack is super light. Like, it's a, it's a forward pack that I don't have much confidence in. Now, obviously, Wayne had a lot to do with developing a lot of these guys, but, like, the player that guys... Like, like Jai Arrow, for example, like, he came... He was a massive signing from the Titans in the sense that, like, it was a big shock that he signed. But, like, he's he just goes about his business. He played really, really well. And, and like, he's not even the guy that's the superstar when it comes to, like, the flashy stuff. Like, Keon has obviously been killing it. We know Keir Murray. Uh, like, Damien Cook, I think, you know, you could say he had a solid year last year. He can still got plenty of footy left in him to play some... You've got Sele, who was improving week in, week out towards the end of the year last year. Um, I think Moale is a, a young, quite a young forward that played some good footy. This is, this is a... Put it this way, like, out of all the title threats, I think they probably be talked about the least. And yet, when you look at the fact that they haven't really lost anyone, plus the things we've mentioned with Latrell. Lockie Ilias, the fact that Cody Walker and Cook, two of their key players, probably had just solid years last year compared to years before. I think that they're I think they're a title threat. I think they're a title threat. Yeah, I think they are too, mate. I think as well. Like, you know, we the Kangaroos went over there for that World Cup. Damien Cook wasn't even in conversation by the end of the year. And no one really batted an eyelid, but I I'm sure that Damien Cook would have. Yeah. I'm, I think he'll be really hungry coming in this year. You've also got young uh, Mamazellis in this side who, you know, we're seeing more and more teams run with uh, two dummy halves. I, I, I think Damien Cook might be in for a big season. I think he's got a point to prove this year. Mate, the one that excites me is the winger Isaac Thompson. Like, fuck they missed him when he dropped out of that fuck side he was good when he year. came in. He was incredible. He, he's exactly what they need coming out of their own end. I'm really, really excited about him. You mentioned Harm Sele, uh, Mawali. I reckon I was going to say Moali will have a breakout season, but I think there's just too many other good front rowers for him to really be able to explode. But, mate, I remember when they signed Jai Arrow, I thought, oh, he won't play on the edge for long. They'll end up in the middle. Yeah. But because all the other middles have done so well, I now look back and go, what the fuck was I talking about? Yeah. yeah. How could you consider moving Jai Arrow into the middle? He's been so, so integral to that part. Yeah. So integral to that part of the team. I think you're right, Guru, on the just the back three, what Thompson will bring there. Yeah. Like last season... When you've got two of the smallest wingers in the game, Alex Johnston and Jackson Borlo, along with Luttrell, who, you know, he's not a Tedesco or Tommy Turbo who will have 20 runs a game and lug it up, lug it up, lug it up. It was a pretty small back three, yeah. essentially. So adding Isaac Thompson, who's a big, strong ball runner, it, that will be a tremendous benefit to him, won't it? And, you know, Campbell Graham, he was injured for a bit last year as well. And he's, I mean, talk about his World Cup campaign. He outstanding I, I think he's in for a massive massive year Campbell Graham Isaiah Tass another guy that finally had got his shot in first grade you know a bit shaky the first couple of games towards the end of the year he was he's a mainstay essentially um this is really exciting times it really is like again these guys got to a prelim 
with their two arguably well not no not arguably their most influential players in Walker and Cook not playing at the, t- the at their for- like you know what I mean their form year was the year before yeah. it's yeah. just exciting it really is and and you go like to to depth they've got guys like Cheekham they got Knight they got Cartwright Jacob Host you know who may make the seventeen in regards to hookers they've got uh, Momazellas they've got uh, Havili that can play obviously 14 halves they've got four halves Taff, Walker, Hawkins, Ilias like it really doesn't like outside of maybe a big centre signing like I know Isaiah Tuss was solid and if he can continue kicking on then they're sweet but outside of that like they're good there's a young guy in this squad this year. I think he'll only be 18, so I don't know if you'll see him. Tyro Munro. It's his first time in the 30, about 190 centimetres. Um, obviously a teenager, so he's, he's quite um, skinny at the moment, but they've got big, big wraps on him. At what position does he play? Wings. Uh, he, he gets the GI sort of comparison. Oh, really? That sort of body, yeah. <clears throat> wow. So, he, I mean, maybe he develops into that outside back that, that can help him out a bit. Yeah. But, yeah, the Isaac Thompson's a really interesting one because it does change the balance of their squad. Like, he's not a big name and a lot of people wouldn't know him yet. But when you go back and watch the games he played, you were like, who the fuck is this <laughs> giant on the yeah. wing dominating? Um, and, that, yeah. and that, like, a guy like him is so key to winning premierships because you're paying him peanuts mm. and he's putting out premium winger yeah, numbers 200 meters a game you got alex johnson is a crazy finisher on the other side uh yeah so well, Th- thompson was the one that last season story came out late in the year when he obviously made his debut that i'm sure it was thompson he hadn't played yep. a game of footy in four or five years or yeah something. he like quit and then they said oh yeah. come help like help mate or whatever yeah. how may Sally or someone was mate to him and spoke to the coach and they, they threw him a bait in the I think maybe even late on in the preseason, and he rocked up, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you're good." So, a full year behind him and a full preseason behind him, like, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, Rabbitohs, where are we talking, boys? Yeah, I, I think they're a top four side. I, I think six at worst. Yep. You mean? Yeah, top four, top six, definitely title threats. Yeah, definitely top four. Um, you said at the start, like it's hard to say they'll go better because they made a prelim, but I think they can definitely improve their ladder position. They came seventh last year. I reckon they'll definitely make the top four next year. And just what you said about Moali, I think South Sudan are really, they're really easing him into first grade. Like he's obviously a, a young front rower who has a lot of raps on him, but they, they're slowly giving him, you know, 15 minutes here, 10 minutes here, 20 minutes here. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do with him this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, look, top six for me. Top, if they miss the eight, I think it's a, it's not a, it's a yeah, it's a disaster. It's a disaster. <laughs> it's a disaster. Um, I'm just so like ner- in, I'm nervy about like it's still his Demetrius second year, um, but he's proven mm. it. Like I'm not I, I'm not saying he's going to have a bad year. I'm just saying like he's still a rookie coach. You just yeah, you we'll, just, with a rookie halfback. Oh, on paper, yeah. If they miss the eight, you, you, like you can make excuses for it, but I'm holding them to a higher standard. Yeah. Oh, it's a disaster if they don't make the eight. I'm. Just, it's just that like, what if Lockie? You know what I mean? Like doesn't kick on. It's second year syndrome. I don't know. Uh, uh, to be clear, disaster if they don't make the eight, but I have them top six, top six. Uh, now on to the Cowboys. Cowboys, um, fuck. If you had said to me this time last year that I'd be sitting here going, these guys are a premiership threat. And matter of fact, like, they, they should come out the blocks absolutely firing. Every team should be concerned to play them. Uh, I would have said you're off your head. You're off your head. But they are in such a prime position 
They've got heaps of depth in the back. Scotty Drinkwater is only going to be even better with a whole year at fullback. Fuck, he was good last year. Um, you've got a guy like Ruben Cotter. You've got a guy like Helam Lukey that missed half the year. Nanai. I mean, a whole nother year. Taumalolo's ball playing is only going to be better than it was this, this year that went by. Tommy Dearden and Townsend, they've only played together for one season. Shit. Like, Dearden is still only like 21, 22. Um, Leilua gets a whole preseason with the boys. Like, we're talking about Leilua here. He's a fucking beast on the edge. Like, that's he played the way he played. And this is no disrespect to the Tigers, but it was a, wasn't the best year last year for them. Imagine under the, the Cowboys preseason, how, and we all notoriously hectic preseason they had last year. They're going to do it again this year. He's going to be, Griffin Neem's going to be good. You know, like, it's exciting times for Cowboys. Honestly, anything less than top four is probably a surprise. That's how, that's how good this squad looks right now. I had someone on social media the other day have a crack at me and say, um, oh, yeah, well, you're the idiot that said the Cowboys wouldn't make the eight next last year. And I just thought, that might be the least insulting thing <laughs> you could possibly fucking say to me. <laughs> Anyone that had them making the eight is the idiot last yeah. year. Do you know what I mean? Like, no one expected it. I don't even think, like, you can even speak, like, listen to interviews with Toddy Payton saying, like, I, I, he may have said we would make the eight, but even he said we didn't expect we'd be this good this quickly. So, miss me with that shit, bro. Yeah, incredible. Um, and yeah, mate, they're, they're very similar to South. There's not going to be many changes here. I'm expecting them to stay in the top eight. I just, I, I always worry about teams that make a sudden jump, whether they're going to be able to maintain that the year after. And at the moment, all signs point to they should. So you got, you've only got top eight, not top four. As in, oh, oh mate, to, to be honest, like if they're top four or top eight, wouldn't. But I just, I worry about teams that make a huge jump out of nowhere. Yep whether they maintain it or not. And I hope I'm proven wrong because I really, really like would, this system. Would you say it's a disaster if they don't make the eight? Yeah, probably. Oh, so you're not fully in the camp of disaster. Yeah, I, I don't know. I do, think do you understand where I'm coming from? or I, I do, but gee whiz, looking at the squad on paper and mm. what they achieved in one year, I'm just like, I just see so much upside and, and improvement in this side. Yeah. I think um, top four is a good year. Top eight is a solid year. Outside of top eight, if they miss the eight, it's a disaster in my opinion. Because then, then two out of the three years of, of Peyton's reign is fucking like all these crazy questions start getting asked out if they're out of the eight. So okay, well, who for you then? Who's the two most likely teams to drop out of the eight? Then? Most likely teams. Um, well, fuck, I'd get the eight up and so you got, you got Panthers, Cronulla, Cowboys, Eels, Storm, Roosters, Bunnies, Raiders. I mean, we, we've, we just said the Bunnies should be a top four. I think we all agree the Roosters should be a top four. I want to I want to wait and see how they go. Okay. But you, Probably, surely so, you don't have them coming out of the eight. Well, I, I would, for example, like Raiders, Broncos. Um, who was the other one that you just mentioned? Uh, Sharkies for me are going to be interesting. I don't know. I don't think they'll fall out, but I think they're going to be interesting just because when you look at their draw last year and, yeah. you know, rah, rah. So, but Raiders and Broncos are the one that, you know, could fluctuate, even though the Broncos squad is fucking crazy. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I just I, I just want to see more of the Cowboys. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I understand exactly where you're coming from in regards to sometimes clubs just have this crazy. Who, who do we. We spoke about it earlier about. Oh yeah, like the, the, the Michael Maguire with the Rabbitohs are notoriously hard 
uh, pre-seasons and then they just explode out of nowhere and, and then all of a sudden they get fatigued yeah. for sure. But I don't know. I look at this squad and it excites. Like Valentine Holmes is in fucking killing it form. Hickey was incredible. Um, Drinkwater, as I said, like Twilungi's in the Australian squad. I um, And as you said then, you know, the Sharks, they, they had the slightly easier draw last year. I look at the Cowboys and I don't know what their draw was like, but and I don't have the numbers in front of me, so tell me if I'm wrong, but... Seven, six, nine, and one essentially played every single game last year. Mm. There were, I just, I'm just keen to see how they come when they have to face some obstacles in their spine and whatnot. Like injuries and that. Yes. Yeah, I like injuries for sure. For sure. Like if they get decimated by injuries, I think they could, they could struggle. But um, I'm excited for this Cowboy side. I really, really am. Uh, but it, it, it is a testament to how hectic this eight is getting to make. Whereas a few years ago, you'd go lock them in or fucking top. Yeah. But I just think with the progress that they made last year, and you look at this squad, like Dearden with – like remember going into this year, like Dearden was like, you know, lucky to even be in the 17. Now all of a sudden he's in origin, playing mad in origin, and a whole year with Townsend. Um, Reese Robson, another whole year of first grade. Timmy, what do you reckon about the squad? Yeah, I just said see upside in it, much like you, Kempi, with Scotty Drinkwater – you remember in and out of first grade, sort of early days of the storm, got a few runs here and there, very scarcely. Came to the Cowboys, played a full season at 5'8". So with a full season at fullback, he's going to be way better. Tommy did and halves get better and better and better every single year they play. And like year on year, you can see some pretty substantial gains. The experience he gained last year, Jeremiah Nanai, Helam Lukey, who I think is not even a smoky for Origin. I think he could easily play Origin if he comes back from that ACL well. Just everything about this side screams to me as improvers. And funny how you say, Guru, like, about the teams who could improve and fall down the ladder. The Cowboys, were they second or third last year? They were third in the end, weren't they? Third. Yeah. They could improve and definitely finish lower than third. But in terms of being that genuine title threat, I don't see why they, they can't win a comp next season. Yeah, same. I mean, what was it, two points that they lost to the Eels with? Um but just looking at this squad. So, like, this is going to be their squad. Drinkwater, Tuolangi, Hiku, Holmes, Felt, Dearden, Townsend, McLean. Uh, this is a predictor squad. Robson, Cotter, Nanai, Luai, Tamalolo. Fuck. That is a hectic squad. Um, then even their bench. Then they've got, like, Lukey, Griffin Neem, Colin Hess, Tanul Brown, James Tamo. Yeah. There was so much depth in the forwards. Yeah, and I, I, I don't disagree with anything you've said. I just worry about teams that make such a huge jump. Yeah, for sure. Like, for example, after. you know, Nanai could have second-year syndrome or whatever. Cotter could be fatigued and just yeah. mentally. Um, but I think the other beauty about the Cowboys is that they didn't have a half that came out of nowhere and got a hot hand. They've got Chad Townsend, yeah. who is just solid, consistent. And I, I – I, yeah. Yeah, and also just for people listening – this isn't our ladder predictor of like, this is where they'll finish. Mm. We're talking about what is their squad and what should be their expectation. Mm. Like the ladder predictor will obviously come closer to the year where we go, this squad is a, um, a six to 10 squad. This squad is a one to six squad or, or whatever it is. This is more like when you look at this squad, you say that if they don't make the top eight, arguably top six, then that's, that's a bad year. Um, so, but yeah, like forwards-wise, they've got depth for days. I think some of their signings in there have been fantastic. You look at their backs, look, could you make the argument they could be light depth-wise in the backs? Because I just don't know some of these guys. Maybe, maybe. Well, 
Um, Taniela Sadrugu, he was the lock forward for Fiji, we were really impressed with. Yep. So he's one there. Obviously, you've got a, a guy like Ben Hampton who might not be a superstar, but anywhere in the back line you get an injury, he can come in and do a job for you. So Shibasaki, he showed flashes throughout his career that he can play. He just never, never kicked, kicked on. on. Uh, so I, I, I like their outside backs, mate. I mean, as you said a few weeks ago, the one that I was worried about at the start of the season was probably um, Peter Hiku, but fuck me. So yeah, that was. I, I like their backs. So I'm just more talking about like depth yeah, compared I think to other right clubs. Depth. Yeah, D- depth in the back line there. I mean, last year someone went down, the hammer came into the exactly. Side. Yeah. So this year, you're right. Unless there's a few of these lower names that are upcomers, they're they're light on. There's another one there, Tom Chester. He played one or two games last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets their 14 jersey. He's very okay. very talented. What position does he usually play? Fullback normally. But I reckon you could chuck him in at centre or on a wing and he'd be okay. So I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes that sort of hammer sort of yeah. player. Yeah, it's interesting. It's going to be real interesting with the Cowboys. Because you do make a good point in regards to when it's such a rapid increase, the concern is, is like, was it because of some crazy thing that happened in the preseason? Or was it a bit of magic that just, just came around? Because like every time a club wins a premiership, what do they all say? It was just a feeling. Yeah, You could just feel it. It's not, oh, we actually, there was this training that we were doing or, you know, there was this speech that was given to us. It was like, no, no, we just felt the, the connection. And so you could make the argument, maybe the team was just so galvanised, so back against the wall. Um, so there is that argument for that. There's no, no denying it at all. And also the top eights, it's just become so tough to make. And that's where, you know, and I wasn't there for it or whatever, but just having a look from all their preseason photos from last year, it looks like that was such a fucked up preseason mm. and it paid dividends. But they went all the way to a final series. Have a look through this entire squad, how many guys went to a World Cup, played an extra eight weeks on mm. top of that. Then you've got to come back and you go through the same preseason. Are the standards set? I, I, just, I just think there's a, lot of, there's a lot that goes into being a Penrith Panthers, a Melbourne Storm, that every single year you're up. Mm. And you, you use sort of mad regimes, I suppose, as an example yep. of you can't year on year on year have these enormous preseasons, no. especially... You know, on the back of a World Cup year as well, which has dragged on longer, yep. fatigue, whether be it physical or mental, it does carry on. So, like, no, nah, very valid. It's a too. shorter off season. You're coming yeah. back. Yeah, it, there's just a lot to take in there. Yeah, I'm I'm excited, but point taken, great Guerrero. Point taken. <laughs> um, Prove me wrong. I'm uh, stupid again. But. Um, look, if you if you got this far into the podcast and you don't realise that it's just predictions. It's not fucking Notre Dame. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, you, everyone listening knows we are more than happy to say we got it wrong. We fucking do it every weekend. Uh, but yeah, when I look at this squad, Townsend, Dearden, um, Nanai, Lukey, like the fact that Lukey was arguably ahead of Nanai before the start of last year. Now Nanai is like one of the hottest property outside uh, wide running forwards in the comp. Just shows you the crazy depth, and then what's who have they got the other side? Oh, Leilua. Like yeah. it is. Then who have they got at thirteen? Oh, Tamalolo, or you know, oh. it's just. And then who who have they got paired with him? Ruben Cotter. Yeah. Like it's fucking wild. And then like there's other guys in this squad, like even a um, Mitch Dunn. He might not be a superstar, but I reckon if you gave him twenty weeks in this side, he's, he's very impressive. Work. You got Steve Price as young bloke, um, Riley Price that's in the squad as well. Chuck in Sadrugu and Tom Chester. It'll be a really competitive squad this year. Yeah, it, it just it looks so good, man. Like, and it's just the there was just a, something about them. They just had this belief last year where 
every time like there was a period there where they were surprising teams but then in the end it was like oh there's no longer a surprise like this is the standard that we've set you look at the fact that they went down to Cronulla got the job done in finals footy at home against the Eels seriously like a, like a couple of calls even away from making a grand final it's it's exciting times I, I think it'll be important too James Tamer might not be the greatest player, but you bring him back a club legend, realistically. Yeah, he'll be so important for those younger boys too, setting standards. Another guy, Tanua Brown, like a lot of potential, big, big body. He, he could, you know, another year under the system of uh, Peyton could really help him. Yeah, really exciting. Um, as usual, like, I mean, the positive for the Cowboys in the halves, if, you, if Townsend goes down, maybe Dearden is ready to step up. You know, that's a positive. Whereas a lot of, a lot of other clubs, you probably couldn't say that. Yeah. Um, that there's a guy yeah. that's ready to potentially step up at least. You lose your organising seven. Yeah, yeah they, you're right. Didn't would do it fine. Yeah, and and he's got the confidence now. So yeah. we saw last year that Freddie obviously ran with two hookers in the Origin Arena. Damien Cook didn't make the Australian side. Appy going to the West Tigers. Don't know how that's going to go. Reese Robson, could he be a little bolter potentially? Oh, for sure. I think we said that last year. He yeah. made the squad last year. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but I genuinely think he could be a chance to play this year. I yeah, really no, I, I agree because you just because like you know Freddie has said even with the Fox one, he kind of said basically because the doggies were struggling, it's hard if you're losing in a losing side, like it's hard to pick when you're in a losing yeah. side or whatever. Whereas like if if you know let's say Cookie isn't playing well and Appy is you know struggling at the Tigers or whatever, maybe he's he's made crazier calls. And Reese Robson, no <laughs> yeah, and Reese Robson was in the squad, mm. so yeah, that's and it. His, and his coach Robson heaps, oh, heaps through the color. grades and that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, he, he improved so much last year, Reese Robson. Seriously, like he, by the end of the year, he was such a good, solid hooker, like such a good, so strong in defence, good ball running, ball playing was good. Um, yeah, so look, so we all agree though, top eight side on this squad should be a top eight should squad, yeah. Yep. Um, I think yeah as I said good year top four again um, but past year top eight outside of the top eight though it's still a disaster for me when I look at this squad yeah not not as much a disaster level one disaster just a little bit baby hurricane or something mate I started talking about this the more I spoke about it the more I realized I probably don't have that much evidence to back up what I'm saying <laughs> just, I'm just worried about such a high world cup yeah shorter preseason Backing up, I just, yeah. What are you about you, Timmy? Outside the eight, is it, is it a disaster or? Disaster, mate. A team on the up last year, finished third, close to a grand final, disaster. Matty? Yeah, I got the Cowboys definitely top six. I reckon it's, a, it's almost, not a disaster, but I reckon they should be definitely aiming for six or higher, 100% pushing for top four. Just, just looking at these forwards, it's just, it's insane how much depth they have and how much talent they have. You're either guru, like... I didn't think of it like that. It's a really good point, but and also add in that it's about 40 degrees every day up in Townsville. <laughs> that, that'd hurt. Yeah. To, to be internally, they should be saying premiership threat. Like they should be yeah. saying we're in a window right now to win a comp. I think anyway. Guns ahead to the three of you. Who's more likely to back up a top four finish, Sharks or Cowboys? Cowboys. Cowboys? Cowboys. Yeah. Matty? Cowboys. Okay. Yeah, right. I'm going to go for the Cowboys so that I don't get the shit beaten up. <laughs> sharks are an interesting one. I can't wait to speak about Sharks because like yep. what, what Fitzgibbon has done there is absolutely incredible. Um, but in those big games, it was like, 
do they have do they just need a little bit more to get that to get anyway we'll get to the sharkies but don't worry sharkies fans i'm still incredibly high on the sharkies like there's no like you you literally won the dally m and fitzgibbon is a gun coach plus you got the, anyway we'll get to it so don't worry <laughs> i'm still super excited still super excited so that is eight teams done eight teams done and dusted uh as usual make sure to head to blog.shop grab some merch perfect time for chrissy perfect time for summer limited amount as well guys so once it's all sold it's sold out or grab a case of bloke and a bar beer from your local world and every celebrations bottle o ij plus liquor and Porter's Liquor in New South Wales ACT, plus hundreds of other stores. We've got a store locator on our website. Uh, anything else, boys? No, looking forward to next week. Nine sides next week. Nine sides next week. So even bigger week next week. Then rolling into Chrissy. Uh, but as usual, I'll go and fuck myself. Thank you. <laughs>